This week's episode of the Two Tools Baseball podcast covers the start of the winter meetings, the all MLB first and second teams. The long journey has ended. Fred McGriff is a Hall of Famer. And where do you have the big free agent fish landing? We'll tell you our predictions coming up now. Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Jonathan. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Jam-packed episode today for you listeners. We officially are in the winter meetings, Alex. GMs, some owners, some baseball executives all meeting right now in San Diego, California, discussing the hot stove season, the news for players, acquisitions, trades all upon us right now. So, of course, it is an exciting time in the offseason, in the baseball offseason, to be exact. But uh, jam-packed episode today, like I said, we're going to cover all of the trades and free agency signings that have happened. And just for the listeners, we are recording right now. It is Monday, December 5th. It's about 7 o'clock at night, so Alex, we might have some breaking news even during this show. I know sometimes we get updates all the way up till midnight at times. GMs just don't sleep during this week, so uh, we'll have some breaking news possibly coming onto the show right now, and that'd, that'd be really fun to uh, to give the viewers that we're also going to discuss the all MLB teams today on December 5th. We finally learned the all MLB first team and second team. So we will, of course, discuss that, share our thoughts, share what we had. Of course, I think back about two months ago when the season ended, we went and gave basically our rundown on what we thought a first team all MLB team would look like based on our criteria. So we'll go over that. We'll go over the trades and free agency acquisitions. Uh, crazy, crazy signings already happening this offseason, which is really nice because one year ago, Alex, we were basically locked out. We did not have any more signings, trades going on. Baseball was basically in the dark for about two to three months. But now that that's all over with, we can finally, of course, enjoy a regular offseason. We'll cover that. We'll also go into some of the free agency trade uh, predictions that we see happening, some names that have already been thrown out there for possible trade candidates. So going through that, uh, cover some Hall of Fame news. There is uh, some breaking Hall of Fame news that happened yesterday with a uh, with a special individual who uh, had, of course, a very good career, but we'll cover that. We'll do some final thoughts as well and even cover some more additions to the Team USA World Baseball Classic team. So jam-packed episode, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Hopefully, we'll keep it within the two-hour mark, Alex. I know we ramble at times, but... It'll be a tough task because, like you said, there is so much to talk about. There um, is a lot. There is a lot. Yeah, but we'll, we'll we'll start off first with kind of some some housekeeping items, some things we can get out of the way and not really go into length and discussing because we've talked about the 2022 season for so long. We'll talk about the all MLB teams to, uh, to start things out, Alex. So uh, we'll discuss, of course, infield, outfield, starting pitching, relief pitchers, and kind of go over who we had or if we we all agreed on the same picks. But we'll start off with the infield, Alex. Infield, all MLB, first team. Catcher, you know who it is. I know who it is. Do you know who it is? I don't know who it is, no. The first team all MLB catcher, 
is JT Real Muto, who I believe we both JT picked. JT Real Muto. We both picked. Obviously, we did our all MLB teams right when the season ended, so we wouldn't have any of that postseason bias. We both picked Real Muto. He, of course, earned it even that much more in the playoffs. But even in the regular season, he was our pick. There's no big surprise there. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And first team, first baseman. I'll kind of go first base, second base, shortstop, and third base. But first baseman, Paul Goldschmidt, the NL MVP. Easy selection right there. The second baseman, Jose Altuve, Astros, legendary middle infielder. Shortstop, Trey Turner of the Dodgers. And then the third baseman will be Manny Machado of the Padres. So... I know so far we had the same catcher, the same first baseman, the same second baseman. That's all good. We, of course, had different shortstops. You had Francisco Lindor. I had Carlos Correa. The voters basically gave it to Trey Turner. Rightfully so. Trey Turner is an excellent shortstop. I can't get too mad there. I know that, of course, there is some sort of a popularity uh, contest as well sometimes. So uh, Trey Turner being that he's the shortstop. I'm okay with it. I, I I can live with it. And then also with the third base spot, Alex. I mean, we we both we both know, uh, we both knew it was going to be either Arenado Machado. I think the hitting numbers were scary, very very close together, and and, yes. and there wasn't too much of a spread there. Uh, defense as well. Both both guys were almost identical players playing on such a different. Uh, ball clubs and had such different roles for their team so Manny Machado earns the first team all third base right there so rightfully deserving good job for all those guys um, and then we go into the outfield Alex and the DH for the outfield we had Mookie Betch, Betts Aaron Judge and Mike Trout and then for the DH we had Jordan Alvarez all four guys I believe we all matched as well I believe so okay okay so we had all those guys so pretty I would say pretty easy, I would say starting nine, if you look at that, because I mean, all those guys really shined at their positions. We might have some different shortstops and third basements, all that, but no, nothing like part. nothing like last year, Travis, where when the Braves won the World Series, we saw, I think Albies was like the second baseman and Riley was the third baseman for the first team all MLB, so something like that. Yeah. And we were, or maybe I think Albies was second team, but we were either way, we were just like, there is like this total Braves bias because they just won. So definitely, I guess it's kind of good that we, you know, I guess for us, we didn't see Harper make like an outfield spot or, or anything like too crazy just based on the postseason, True. even though, you know, Harper is deserving of tons of credit. But I, I, I like the list that the, the writers came up with for the most part. No, no major complaints. And even with Austin Riley last year, he had a good regular season but they were just jose jose ramirez was just so much better yeah you know, rafael devers was so much better uh but there was just of course that postseason bias just that late uh late season magic but moving on to the starting pitchers this is of course where we kind of disagree we have me and you i believe had way different lists mm -hmm. uh, we had uh, you know probably two to three guys that were similar and then a couple other guys that were different but all mlb's first uh first team starting pitching we have sandy alcantara the NL Cy Young. We had Justin Verlander, the AL Cy Young. We had, is it, I think it's Alec or Alex Manoa? Uh, it's Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa. Yeah. Okay, so Alec Manoa of the Blue Jays. We had Framber Valdez of the Houston Astros. Two Houston Astros getting into the first team starting pitching and then rounding it out, rightfully deserving Alex. We are both so happy he got it, but it is Shohei Otani mm -hmm. being the fifth guy on that list for starting pitching. Um, and then, of course, going to the relievers, they picked two relievers for the first team, rightfully so. Uh, Emmanuel Classe and Edwin Diaz just, I mean, you can't really say enough out of both of those guys. Uh, Diaz was the reliever of the year. He had probably one of the scariest 
arguably one of the scariest seasons of all time. You could even look at the numbers yeah. there. Uh, strikeouts were incredible. Uh, something we haven't seen in such a long time. So uh, that's our first uh, first team all MLB. That, that's what the, actually the list that came out with today. Um, any any major problems, Alex, with the first team? No, I, I, I will say that I really don't have um, Alec Manoa, not only not on my first team, he wasn't on my second team when I made my list. There's lots of guys who I think I would go over Manoa. You know, I don't want to just bash on the guy because he is young, up-and-comer, had a great year, um, a very good year at the very least. I, I, I would have gone other guys on a first team. I would have gone, you know, Aaron Nola, I think was underrated in my opinion. Rodon, Travis, definitely someone who I would have put a lot higher. But it just comes down to ERA, right? Like, they're just going to go with ERA. That's what the writers really look at. It's as I've said many times on the podcast, it's not really what I look at first, if at all. But I, I do think that there's other guys, Freed, maybe Bieber, Burns, all guys yep. who I, I like their advanced numbers a bit better, their FIPS, um, their war, you know, different things like that. Especially I, I look at F war over uh, baseball reference war when it comes to pitching, especially. And Manoa is 15th in F war and MLB, which is still obviously a very good season, but he's down more near like the U Darvish, Tyler Anderson kind of range as opposed yeah. to like that top five where he got placed by the writers. So I don't want to bag on the guy, but I, I would have gone different direction there. But I think a lot of the guys that I would have given those props to will probably end up on the second team, but we'll get to that now. Yeah. And, and it's funny that I, I definitely see that Framber elevated his positioning from the playoffs from the world series just how epic he was down the stretch uh it's funny that manoa didn't you know de-elevate or decrease his chances at the first team all mlb because that that one start in october was not pretty i think it was what like three runs given up in the first that big home run to cal raleigh um it, it was not a good start for Manoa to start game one for the Blue Jays in that wild card series. So I thought that might obviously hurt him. It did not. The voters, of course, still like Manoa. I think he was also a top three, Alex, for Cy Young this year for the AL. I think he was still strongly enough to be in that top three. Yeah, I'm, also, Cease, I'm also a little surprised. I was about to say Cease did not make the top five. Mm -hmm. um, not, I don't think he was in my top five, but I just feel like he's a guy the writers would pick. Yeah. He had a bit lower of an ERA than Manoa, but a few fewer innings as well but more strikeouts so it kind of depends what they're looking at there yes another another name like you mentioned framber is in that conversation one thing that he has going for him is over 200 innings pitch which is a big deal but other guys had that too like uh corbin burns and shane bieber mm -hmm. framber beats them out in the era by just a tick but um i think the strikeout numbers provided by bieber uh and burns is a bit more impressive but either way travis mm -hmm. um lots of good pitchers uh, to talk about we could talk all day but let's keep moving to the second team it will yeah and pitchers are definitely the i would say the hardest to judge because you basically get 10 slots when you look at first and second team and you could have eight incredible pitchers but you only can select five for the first team but correct moving to second team uh by positions of course catcher we had will smith of the dodgers uh first base we had freddie freeman of the dodgers second base Andres Jimenez of the Guardians, shortstop Francisco Lindor, the Mets, and third base Nolan Arenado of the Cardinals. Third base is pretty easy. We knew that first and second team was going to be between Machado and Arenado, so yep. really no problem by switching those two up. Those two are incredible at the position right now. Uh, shortstop as well. You had Lindor first team. I had Correa first team. Correa did not make anyone's uh, shortstop list. That's okay. I think the games played was definitely lower than a lot of the shortstops. I think 
Lindor was almost like an Iron Man this year, Alex. Yep. It was almost like 162 games. Turner as well. Stuff. So they're exactly, two picks. exactly. So uh, Lindor, rightfully so, is the shortstop second team. Andres Jimenez, I honestly thought about putting him in my first team, but looking at Altuve's numbers, Altuve with the power, it definitely was uh, an easy decision. But I think I had Jimenez, Alex, in that one episode we discussed the awards. He, he was my breakout player. I mean, yes. he had an insane season. I think it was a seven-war uh, for a second baseman. The defense was lights out, started in the All-Star game. Uh, he's going to be a special player, should be a special player moving forward for the Guardians. And then, of course, first base, Freddie Freeman. He seems to always fit into that first or second team first base slot over the last couple of years. So uh, Freddie Freeman will rightfully so be the first baseman. Could have went to Pete Alonso. Uh, I, he definitely had a very strong campaign, um, but Freeman, of course, will get that nod at second team. And then catcher Will Smith. Will Smith, I think over the last three years or so, Alex, he is up there with being like a top three catcher. It just seems like he is Easily. consistently always going to give you great offense, uh, good, good speed as well. Um, and then, of course, uh, good backstop defense for the catching position. But that's the infield, the outfield and the DH spots will go to Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros. Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners, Kyle Schwerber of the Philadelphia Phillies, and then, of course, the DH spot, happily again, going to Shohei Otani. So Otani getting a first-team starting pitching nod and then a second-team DH nod. And then, of course, the outfielders. Uh, I mean, what, what can you say with Julio? He he basically, he's a star already. I mean, he he's rookie right. of the year, and he's already on the second-team All-MLB. That's just really impressive to look at and then of course rising star kyle tucker i think i don't know if he was on it last year alex i think he might have been second team maybe last year again he had a i think he had a better year last year but that's just because yeah his numbers were a bit better last year but i do forget the team from last year yeah and then of course kyle schwarber led the nl in home runs and i think also the postseason had a huge huge uh reasoning that why he is going to be on the second team i think he honestly might have had a 1.9 war for the season so Defense and um, defense wasn't wasn't spectacular for Schwarber. He's basically just there to provide the pop, and he did this season. But uh, he will be a second team All MLB guy for the outfield. And then we go to the pitchers. Alex, we have Dylan Cease of the White Sox, Max Fried of the Braves, Aaron Nola of the Phillies, Max Scherzer of the Mets, and then of course Julio Urias of the Dodgers, who I believe had the lowest ERA in the NL this year, but. A lot of NL East guys, a Dodger, and then, of course, a White Sox. Uh, it seems like it's just, of course, another year of, of NL dominance for the pitching side. They just have so many strong candidates for the starting pitching. But uh, any concerns right there with the starting pitching? Um, starting pitching, I think, is pretty fine. Uh, you didn't say Burns, right? Could you give me the five one more time? Yeah, no Burns. Cease, Freed, Nola, Scherzer, Urias. No Wheeler as well. I would have liked to see Wheeler or Burns. I mm -hmm. think they're in my top 10 for the season for sure. The ERA on Wheeler is a bit high, but I think the other numbers are a bit better. Um, no I, Carlos Rodon as well. Oh, my goodness. So, which, which you're, of course, you're, we, I think we both had in our first team. You're bringing that to my attention. I didn't realize <laughs> that. I, I think that his strikeout numbers were just on another level. His uh, overall just performance in the whole season was really incredible he's gonna get a huge contract so um you know i think that we understand the value he provides to a pitching staff even if the writers didn't see him as a top 10 guy he was easily yep. a top five guy for me yep there's a small ch i forget i have to double check mm -hmm. i he was either my first or second pick for nl cy young i might have given him nl cy young i'm not Who sure did? carlos rodon yeah i think he might have 
been your I think I thought I think he was second behind Nola. I, I think you have Nola, yep, yep. But either way, it's just funny how like um that's just so obviously not what the writers yeah. would have ever picked, but that's just what I think. But um I think that I have more problem with the Schwarber pick than any of the pitchers. Mm-hmm. And and Charles, I love Schwarber's bat so much. Mm-hmm. Uh the on base percentage, the way he walks so much, great walk numbers. Um and the power is phenomenal as well. He plugs into the Philly lineup amazingly. But what I will say on a, just a value perspective, you mentioned the war. Both baseball reference and fangrass war give him like a one to two, maybe two point five war on the season at best. Um there's just many guys in the outfield who had better seasons in my opinion. Yeah. Um, maybe they played fewer games, but the value is just better because they played better defense. They're better on the bases. One guy who we both like a lot, obviously is Taylor Ward on the angels on fan graphs. He had a 3.8 war, which is like over one war above where Schwarber was at. Uh, Ward is going to give you maybe a slightly worse bat, but honestly a pretty much the same bat. If you look at here, let me see here. If I look at uh WRC plus, we're looking it's at a, a 128 for Schwarber. It's actually better for Ward on yeah. the season. Ward's at a 137. So we're talking about Taylor Ward actually sneaky, a better hitter overall on the season. And plus, you're getting better glove and better, uh, probably better arm, maybe a comparable mm-hmm. arm. Either way, um, Ward's got good speed. I also think that guys like Springer, guys like Juan Soto, maybe they didn't have uh, superstar years like they have had in their past. They still, in my opinion, had better years than Schwarber. Yeah. Also, guys like Nimmo and McNeil, Travis, mm-hmm. are both guys who played tons of games for the Mets. They were a part of a really good team. Nimmo and McNeil both had over five Fangraphs war, did not make either team in the outfield, which I think is a bit of a mistake. I think um, also Michael Harris of the, uh, of the Atlanta Braves. An, another good point, another good pick that would have made uh, Rookie of the Year pro- probably just as much sense as, as yep. anyone else here. 114 games this season in a five point three war baseball reference war so uh i mean guys approaching almost a seven war if he plays a full season pretty much one one more guy i'll throw in the mix steven kwan actually travis had a really underrated season even though he did get uh top three in al rookie of the year i still feel like a bit underrated because his defense was so special on the field had over four baseball reference war which is a lot more than schwarber Mm -hmm. um he walked a ton even though he doesn't have crazy pop a 373 on base is very good uh just like i like his plate approach overall so um lots of guys who i would have picked over schwarber and i love schwarber's bat still but i just think that the other parts of the game if we're picking you know essentially the fourth fifth and sixth best outfielders in baseball this season a lot of guys who i like better but um that, yeah. that that's my main thoughts on the on the third team or on the second team pretty much everybody else you mentioned makes a lot of sense could have saw that coming you know mm-hmm. pretty easily and also looking at the pitcher side uh you know toronto's kevin gosman rays uh Tampa bay rays uh, shane mcclanahan guardians uh, uh shane bieber there, there, there are so many other pitching names that were left off the first and second team um that do, uh, you know could have been good arguments for second team at least do we not have our relief pitchers we do yes i'll share with those right now but uh the two relievers for second team went to ryan helsley of the cardinals and ryan presley of the astros okay. so um I, I think Presley, with how dominant he was in the postseason, that of course really helped him out. And then of course Helsley had some very good numbers 
uh, throughout this season. Uh, Hel- postseason was different. Helsley was the one guy who was a bit of a threat to, I think no one was a threat to Diaz, but I think Helsley could have gotten in over Class A mm-hmm. in that first team. But at the end of the day, Class A makes sense. Helsley's second team makes sense as well. Both, but I mean, all those guys deserve to be, you know, all MLB type they do. Uh, relievers. So it make, makes sense there. They do. And so, uh, it was a fun, you know, it's like I said, we, we, me and Alex do this almost every single month during the season. We give our updated all MLB teams what it would look like. And then when we make a very serious list at the end of the season, and then it's always interesting to see how things, you know, turn out in the end. Of course, we always, I think we've come to the expectation now that uh, there will be, of course, a, some postseason bias, some, um, some, you know, just some big brand name players that will always get, get a nod over certain other players. So, uh, no surprise there, but for for most part, I, I I do like the the first team they gave out. I think those are a lot of them are the correct picks, and some guys that maybe I didn't pick, I can still live with. Machado had an excellent season; he was right there next to Arenado. I mean, both guys finished in the top three for N- MVP, and then for Trey Turner at the shortstop spot. Um, if I was drafting a team, Alex, I would probably choose Trey Turner first over some of these other guys because I just love the speed factor and the just the swagger to his game I, I really like trey turner's game we might be talking or actually we will be talking about him a little bit later in this podcast but that certain, sums up a certain deal did take place <laughs> today yes that sums up the all mlb teams first and second now we will move on to of course the main part of this recording it is of course the winter meetings talking about the last couple of weeks that have basically just i mean taken some of these uh divisions and some of these leagues by storm Alex, we'll start off with what I called, I wrote down as the subject, I, I wrote down the wild, wild west. Basically, the AL West has been busy, and the AL West has almost every team, minus the Oakland A's, which I, I don't... I, Sorry, you, Oakland fans. You, you are you are in full tank mode now if you're an Oakland A's the only, fan. The or, only buzz I've remotely heard is like, are we going to get some prospects for Sean Murphy? Correct. Correct. Yes. You are, you are looking to ship him out and get something in return and, and build for the future. But the AL West right now, Alex has just attracted so much uh, news, so much talent. I, I was going to say if, if anyone listening is a um, huge fan or, or plays Emily, the show, uh, the video game, you know that of course you have to do a live series collection every year I'm telling you this, in next year's game, if you do the AL West Live Series collection, you're going to have to collect some juggernauts of the game. I'm going to say this, Alex, the AL West collection next year might have to be like a 99 player. If you get what I mean when you you play the game. Oh, I get what you mean. All the listeners, of course. Uh, that's going to be an insane collection next year. That's the first thing that came to my mind when one guy dropped to one of these teams. But we'll kind of get into it right now. Uh, The news that came out, of course, last time we recorded was, of course, Tyler Anderson going to the Angels. Great lefty starting pitcher from last year. And then, of course, Teoscar Hernandez was traded from the Blue Jays to the Seattle Mariners. That was recapped in last episode. But these two teams made more additions, and that's awesome to see. So going through it... uh, Angels made some noise earlier, about two weeks ago, and they made some noise earlier today. Angels, of course, traded for outfielder Hunter Renfro from the Milwaukee Brewers. Not a lot at all given up to the Milwaukee Brewers in return. Just really pitching depth. They and, are, and, exactly. And one thing I'll add, Travis, uh, 
I like putting things in, in a unique perspective if I can find it. And two of the three pitchers that were sent to Milwaukee mm-hmm. were two pitchers that we got from the Yankees for Andrew Heaney. And that was Jansen Junk and I believe Elvis Paguero. Okay. Um, yep. Both of those guys um, have made appearances for the Angels uh, in this last season. Both guys have, I think, a reasonable amount of upside as a reliever and a starter, respectively. I don't really see them, how they fit into our winning formula. Angels clearly trying to win this season. Milwaukee always taking the approach of just kind of always retooling and developing. So it makes sense from their perspective. But I will say, Travis, if I just told you we're trading the second half of 2021 Andrew Heaney plus one pitcher prospect for a full year of Hunter Renfro, I mean, how could you say no to that deal, right? Exactly. And the season that Hunter Renfro had last year, but not only last year, but the last couple seasons, I mean, it's it's almost automatic this guy's going to hit you know, 25 to 30 plus home runs a season. So I, I think there was, sorry to interrupt you again. Yeah, I, th- no I think there was six players or something like that who for the last, since 2017 to now or 2018 to mm-hmm. now have hit 25 home runs or more every single season. And it's like, it's like four all-stars, the guys yeah. that make all-stars every year. I, for, I forget the exact Not names. Not Mike Trout. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not I'm, Shohei Otani. Of, of, of course yeah. the injuries, but yeah. it, it's just these consistent guys, guys who are always hitting the ball well. And then, it was Eugenio Suarez and Hunter Renfro were like the two guys who were just consistent power bats. But um, I think Renfro is a great addition to the team. He does strike out a lot. And, you know, the average on base numbers aren't like phenomenal, but the slugging makes up for it. I think it it's a great um, bat that's just going to lift the floor of the team, I think, because um, before we had this five, six, seven, eight, nine, or maybe at least seven, eight, nine mm-hmm. during certain stretches of the season where they were all below average hitters. And now that's going to be addressed. And now you get a um, a good fielding, great arm right fielder on the Angels. Uh, we yes. have not seen that since probably Cole Calhoun back in 2019 or so. But uh, pairing him with Mike Trout, both guys look exactly alike, which will be really fun because all those memes are uh, are finally coming true. They're on the same team now. So uh, Nevin and, and the coaching staff might have a hard time, uh, you know, especially during warm-ups you know which guy is which so uh the spider-man meme meme will be used heavily uh probably a lot next year but uh it's already been discussed hunter renfro most likely i think he's going to be playing right field taylor ward will make the move to left field of course mike trout in center that that's a really nice outfield so far right now i think i looked up the numbers and you combine all of last year's ops pluses it's like a 146 ops plus alex and we know a 150 ops plus is hall of fame level (laughs) Um, so the production out of the outfield next year should be very good for the Angels. They made some news, of course, today as well. They signed a reliever, uh, free agent, played last year with the Colorado Rockies. It is Carlos Estevez. Uh, gave him a two-year, I think it's $13.5 million deal. It's a, it's roughly about $7 million AAV, but uh, a guy that has a very good splitter, a very good slider, uh, an electric fastball, it's gotten up to triple digits at times. Um, I know they, uh, some a lot of people are interviewing Bud Black, the Rockies manager, and he was saying that he has you know a closer mentality and closer stuff in his future. So 
that could possibly be someone that could be closing out ball games this year. What I like about the Angels moving forward, I think Nevin addressed it, is that he said that we don't really want to have a clear closer. We just want to have the setup guy and we want to have the situation guy that is best used for those situations. So let's say it's ninth inning and there are three lefties coming up. He might put in Aaron Loop to get the job done. Lefty-lefty scenarios. He does not want to have just that clear-cut closer. He wants to set things up for the matchup. But kind of starting off with the Angels, Alex, uh, so far thoughts on what they've been doing so far. I mean, this offseason, they've been aggressive. Yeah, I really like the Estevez deal. Uh, it, it's it's a bit of a different thing than the Tapera Loop thing last year, where Tapera Loop, they earned uh, a multi-year bullpen contracts with the Angels for past seasons that were really special. Um, it feels like Estevez, Travis, it's a bit more of a trying to find the diamond in the rough, which mm -hmm. I really like. I think it's more of an investment in a guy with upside as opposed to paying someone for past performance. No shots at all to loop and to pair. I think they will uh, have good years as angels. But I think going for Estevez and paying a guy who might be a little bit off the radar is, I think, definitely a great move. One thing I am seeing on Twitter um, that I really am liking is his numbers away from course travis because yep. there's of course for those that don't know when you play in colorado it affects pitchers quite a bit um players are going to hit the ball just a bit harder exit velocities will be a bit higher across the board whenever someone's making contact against you you're going to allow some more home runs you're going to allow some more extra base hits more gappers everything is going to be hit a bit harder your pitchers are going to spin a little bit less so it kind of messes with data in a lot of ways so i think that Looking at some of the data that he had in away ballparks last year is very, very promising. So I did find this tweet. Um, it was from last, it was from September, just so a couple months back, uh, about three months back. And they're talking about Stuff Plus, which is um, basically 100 is going to be league average. And it has to do with, you know, how good your stuff is. It has to do with velocity. It has to do with how much your pitches are breaking and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's a stat used by Driveline, who um, are really good with pitcher development. But anyways, I'll keep it short and sweet. At Coors Field, the Stuff Plus was 92 for this pitcher. For Estevez, that's obviously a bit below average there. In a way, ballparks, Travis, 166 Stuff Plus. So he becomes a completely different pitcher in a way, ballparks. The velo, uh, the average fastball velo is at mid-97s. There is... Uh, more vertical break and horizontal break on the fastball when he is away. So I think that the numbers for away ballpark really tell me that this guy could have a breakout year if he does succeed away from Coors like I think he has the potential to. The fastball does get triple digits like you mentioned. That's huge because the Angels... Travis, I think the last several seasons have had an issue just not having that flamethrower out of the bullpen. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. You and I, the amount of times we've seen, you know, no shade to these guys, you know, great careers, but Steve Ciszek, you know, up there throing <laughs> literally 89-mile-an-hour eight, two-seamer. It's like um, there's a time and a place, of course, but he was our most used reliever in 2021, most innings pitched, I believe, out of the pen. And, we, you know, outside of Rizal Iglesias, who is no longer on the team, we have not had a guy that really throws gas out of the pen um, reliably. And I think um, I love what you said and what Nevin said about going closer by committee. We don't really need to sign a big uh, contract closer. I mean, that's not how most of the best bullpens operate. Some do, of course, the Astros have Presley and they're a great bullpen. 
Um, but the Dodgers sometimes will close with uh, Kimbrel. And then, of course, they didn't even bring Kimbrel to the postseason. They went kind of by committee there. Um, they used different guys for the job based on the situation. Vessia got some of those opportunities um, for, you know, lefty lefty kind of things. Um, and it really just kind of depends on the situation. But, uh, by committee, the Angels could totally use Loop. They could use uh, Quijada, Tapera. Now Estevez is in that mix. Herget as well. All guys who are you know got lefties in that in that pool. You got righties in that pool. You got, got guys that throw fast. You got guys that throw finesse. Um, I love the assortment there, Travis. I think there's a lot of things to like about this move and what it does for our pen. So I'll cut it off there. But I do think that um, it's a great move. I'm very happy with it, especially for the price. It's not breaking the Definitely. bank. Um, you know, we, we probably could have spent more money for a guy like a Kimbrel, a guy like a Jansen. I think Estevez for the money, for the value is a great, great addition. I agree. And I think Kimbrel and Jansen are, of course, way past their primes, way past uh, their, their best Ch- season are behind Chapman as well in that mix lots of those guys on the market but we went for a smarter pick exactly and so I'm happy with that I'm happy with so far the design of this bullpen what I really learned I feel like with last season is that we went all out we spent so much money on the bullpen and it didn't really live up to the expectations so it's it's funny how bullpens in baseball especially in MLB um, they're kind of just diamonds in the rough where you you could spend a lot of money on certain guys but uh, I feel like you just sometimes you get these young up-and-coming flamethrowers from the minors that can just thrive in the uh, in the major league level and, and the pressure but uh happy with the signing so far so far the angels of course trying to get better they've gotten better on paper for sure uh, with everything that they've been doing so far so uh moving on to some of the other teams of course in the american league west because it seems to be a hungry division uh the reigning world series champions uh make a nice uh replacement for their first base spot they get uh reigning AL not reigning AL MVP but previously uh a, an AL MVP in a 2020 shortened season but they get Jose Abreu uh you know Southside White Sox slugger uh you know RBI machine first baseman um for the White Sox for a number of years a good under just a good productive first baseman I think the spot and the and the placement with the Astros just I think it's just a perfect placement, Alex. I mean, you're basically asking a guy that's probably going to bat somewhere in the middle, the second half of the lineup, no pressure on him to just basically finish out his career here in, as an Astro, let some of the younger and better players do their jobs. And then of course your time to shine with a lot of guys, most likely coming up and, and getting on base for you. But Jose Abreu going to the Houston Astros three years, 58 million dollars it's about almost 20 million dollars a season so uh same money as an anthony rizzo that went to the new york mets i think he went for two years 40 mil and now of course you get one more year of jose abreu uh and and, and he'll be he should be spectacular in that lineup so you replace yuli guriel who was aging and now you get someone who of course is not that uh not that younger than yuli guriel but is someone that i think still has some some decent years still in his uh in his tank so what do you think on that astros move so far just securing a a a, a deadly lineup already 
Yeah, so Jose, uh, Jose Abreu Chavez is someone who in years past I've been a bit critical of. I think that, you know, there was some buzz for him to be like 2021, like all-star kind of stuff, yeah. just based on the 2020 season. After 2020, he really regressed in 2021, in my opinion. But Travis, I'll say this, in 2022, he had some really impressive underlying numbers. I think it is a great pickup by the Astros. I think it's definitely an upgrade on Gurriel. As good as Gurriel has been for them in the postseason, as many big moments as he's had, I think it was smart for them not to really pay for the past performance and they're just really going to focus on getting better year in and year out Mm -hmm. focusing on next year what can we do to run it back and win consecutive titles let's get a better bat at first base i think it's you know guriel had his moments but i would i would say first base was a bit of a weak spot last year i don't think he had a great uh, year guriel the war was not uh, special at all the power was not good <laughs> especially for a first baseman where you're really looking to have really plus bat at that spot i would not say guriel was a yeah. plus bat last year My, minus 0.3 war last year for that, the, yeah uh, for, that, for the spot yeah. that that's no good for a team that wants to win the world series again um i think jose abreu chavez there's tons of good numbers to like uh his average exit velocity is over 90 percentile um his expected woba is, is 96 percentile hard hit percentage uh 97 percentile so i'm talking about some of the best um kind of power quality of contact numbers he hits the ball extremely well um and one thing about him is for a guy who swings the bat extremely well makes good contact he's also not one of these guys that's up there striking out a ton he's actually pretty good at avoiding strikeouts comparison to other home run hitters mm-hmm. um he's not like up there like a, like a judge or, or a trout or an otani where you're striking out you know over 30 percent of the time um and of course i think that that's a very okay strategy you know mm-hmm. what trout and otani and judge do it works but for abreu he is someone who i think the astros the astros definitely really care about strikeout percentage because it's kind of interesting how Bregman and um, Altuve and Guriel before he left like these are all guys who really made good contact had good averages had good uh, you know swing decisions outside of the fact that they also had power as well to go with that so I think Abreu fits exactly what the Ashes are trying to do um, I think it's going to come down to uh, probably somewhere I could see him kind of maybe being in between uh, maybe between Alvarez and Tucker. I'm not exactly sure how they're going to stack things up. But I like think a five six slot probably right. I I could see it. I could see it. It's it's going to be interesting. It also depends on you know. I think they really like Pena in that two spot. If I were them, I would honestly kind of go away from that. I think Pena has been you know great for them, but uh, Pena's had some problems in my opinion with chasing balls out of the zone. I think he's better in like a maybe a six or seven spot, move everybody else up a slot. But either way, Travis. That's a discussion for another time. Yeah. I think Abreu is going to fit in great for them. I think he's definitely an upgrade on Gurriel. Yeah, and it's funny looking at Gurriel's numbers. You know, 2021, he was the AL batting champion. He had 319 batting average, and that basically was dropped 100 points. He went down to a 242. It, it was not sustainable. And then it, it's just funny that you look at the on-base, a 383, and this year was a 288. So that almost dropped about 100 points just about. And then with the slugging percentage of 462, went down to a 360. So uh, the percentage numbers really took a uh, deep dive. And then almost every single counting stat, home runs and RBIs and walks all basically were cut in half. 15 down to 8 for home runs, 81 down to 53, and then 59 down to 30 for walks. So uh, Guriel definitely, I think that I think the age was showing this season that, you know, uh, it, it was definitely probably be a, a, the last season for him to be uh, with the Houston Astros has been 
I mean, I mean, a postseason legend for them, and then also just a a small little. I mean, j- just the dynasty that they've created. Guriel has been a huge part of that, and you can have so many different moments uh, with him. But it was a good decision to move on and get someone who is going to provide you just just a bit more, uh, you know, productive at bats in those situations uh, w- with Abreu. It's funny, Alex. I mean. Every year, it seems like Abreu is just providing you an OPS plus of 120 or higher. So uh, it, it, he's consistently a uh, yeah, he's consistently better than the average MLB player at his spot. You know, some seasons he it focuses a little bit more on power. It seems, and some season he focuses a little more on contact and getting on base for uh, for and, and batting average terms, of course, as well. But uh, I, I think it's a good signing for the Astros. I think it fits them very very well. Uh, let's move on to the team they faced in the American League Division Series, the Seattle Mariners. We said that they, of course, got uh, Teoscar Hernandez in a trade with the Blue Jays. They also they made another trade now. So they, of course, are very strong in the trade market. I think we mentioned, too, as well, Kyle Lewis got traded to the Diamondbacks. So they got rid of him. Uh, I think they just had a huge outfield problem. They had six outfielders, and they needed to find ways to get rid of some of these guys. They ended up getting rid of another outfielder. Jesse Winker and uh, Abraham Toro, who's kind of a super utility guy. Both of those guys are making their way to Milwaukee. And Milwaukee, of course, will be sending Colton Wong, uh, the gold glove second baseman, over to the Seattle Mariners. So Milwaukee, of course, seems like they're just selling right now, uh, getting some of their uh, their their higher uh, value players out of their guys that they're getting paid uh, not a lot, but just are cutting budget and, and cutting expenses so far this offseason. But Colton Wong making his way to the Northwest, playing for Seattle one more season on his contract. Uh, thoughts so far on, on that move uh, altogether with the, with the Mariners kind of revamping their 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 lineup and, and their defense. Yeah, so I see it. I see the direction they're trying to go. Um, I think there's pros and cons to the deal. Um one pro you could say is that they weren't going to really use Winker that much. They already got Teoscar Hernandez to be that third outfielder with, um, I mean, actually, I'm not 100% sure if they're planning on running Kelnick out there, but obviously you can just pencil in Teoscar and Julio to be the everyday outfielders. Um, they didn't see Winker in that formula quite as much. I mean, Winker was an average bat. He actually fell off a bit last year, and the defense is a huge minus. So I do see why they wanted to move off of him. Um, I think a targeting Wong, it makes sense for many reasons. First of all, it's a nice platoon bat in the infield. I think middle infield, especially, you don't see that many lefty hitters. I think he has value for that reason. His offense was the best last year um, compared to the previous few years. So maybe he's trending in the right direction. Um, I think also uh, they're losing Adam Frazier. So I almost see... Colton Wong plugging into the Adam Frazier role because mm-hmm. Frazier is a free agent now. So I think it is probably an upgrade on Frazier. Perhaps, it, 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 you know, Frazier might have a bit more of a utility component, so that could kind of increase his value a bit. But one thing I'll say about Wong, Travis, is even though last year his numbers are, they're pretty good on the surface, um, and he's good at, a, at, he has a good specific tool set. Yeah. Um, Best OPS plus of his career. Yes, year. the yeah. production was the production was is trending very well, but yeah. I think some of the underlying stuff. His, he's still very good at avoiding strikeouts. He walks a decent amount. He doesn't chase pitches, so there's a lot of good things with his plate approach. But the quality of contact, he's not hit the ball very hard, um, which might be a little bit of an issue. I think in terms of trying to be 
an elite hitter going forwards. One other thing, Travis, um, for whatever reason, the defense fell off in terms of advanced numbers last year in a big mm-hmm. way. Um, you and I both know with the Cardinals, he was really an elite defender. Back gold, back gold gloves, yeah. gold gloves multiple times. Um, with the Brewers, I think was decent at the start, and then just last season, Travis, I'm noticing his sprint speed fell off quite a bit, and w- it really affected his outs above average ranking by Statcast. They're both really low, and actually, outs above average has him in the third percentile. So. Bottom 3% of MLB defenders in terms of outs above average. Um, Not very good. Um, That could be a blip. You know, maybe you could say um, maybe there was some injury, small little tweak in his leg that affected the speed, which affected the range. You know, Mm -hmm. you could just chalk it up to a bunch of things. But just on the first glance, not a great sign defensively for him. I still think it's overall a good deal for the Mariners because they weren't going to really use Toro that much probably. And I think that they um, wanted to move off Winker. So I think it is a logical deal, but at first I thought it was a great deal. And now I'm kind of saying maybe, <laughs> maybe the defense and the pop might not be here to stay. And if that's mm-hmm. the case, um, he might just kind of be a good contact bat with not much speed and not much glove, which I'm not sure as a second baseman is really what you want. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it works for them. I think for the Brewers, Travis, a team who's always retooling, don't really know if they're going to be in the playoffs or have a losing record next year. I could almost see it both ways, you yes. know, the, with the way that they're always kind of reworking things. But just based off how this deal affects the Brewers, I could see Toro getting a lot of reps in the infield in the utility role. Um, I could see Winker, you know, being an everyday guy. Yeah. S- someone made a funny post saying that the Brewers should just go out there and sign Bellinger. And you just have Winker, Yelich, Bellinger for this, like, guys who were elite mashers. Like three, 2019 mashers, like, yeah. Exactly. And that'd be a funny, <laughs> there's, like, three lefty outfield trio. But but either way, Travis, I think that um, the deal kind of makes sense for both sides. Uh, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent that it moves the needle for either team that much though. Very true. And you know, it Winker is basically the replacement for Renfro. So they basically filled his spot in a matter of a couple days. So that that's all good on that end. And then Abraham Toro, it's funny. Abraham Toro was in the Astro system, came over in the Kendall Graveman trade last year. So it's just kind of a, a flip flop after flip flop for Toro. So he is now playing for Milwaukee. Uh, and interesting to see how he kind of, you know, he's still, I don't think he's really kickstarted his career just yet. I think there were a lot of speculation on, on him about, you know, could, could he be a, a, almost an all-star level middle infielder? I think a lot of people liked what he brought to the table. So we'll see how he can uh, hopefully grow his career in Milwaukee. But like you said, I mean, Colton Wong, it's funny, the power numbers got so uh, were, were career best last year, career yes. high in, in, in home runs. Um, and then, you know, the, the slugging percentage was a second best of his, uh, of his career. The last two seasons, he's had basically career seasons the last two years, but, uh, it's funny to see if, if the power's going up, but the defense is going down. Um, and the power isn't outstandingly amazing. Yeah. You and, know, and, so. and my bet will be on that. I don't know it, that it's that sustainable, especially yeah. as he ages, but, but, you know, I mean, we'll see what the Mariners have planned for him. We'll see. Exactly. So that, that, that's basically the smallest, of course, deal that's happened out of the AL West, um, you know, out of these four big teams, but the last one, Alex, the biggest deal that happened possibly even so far this off season, the best pitcher in major league baseball for the fat, the past five, six seasons has finally found a new home. And it's with that team that, did not finish with a great record last year, but has just been insanely, insanely aggressive over the last two off seasons. The Texas Rangers committed 
five years, $185 million, $37 million AAV to Mr. Jacob deGrom. Um, I mean, the one thing you look at is you look at deGrom, Seeger, and Simeon, and you say to yourself, that's about six six hundred something million dollars committed to three players. Um, both all three players will be getting a lot of money when they get into their you know upper thirties, which is definitely going to be the funny thing to look at. If they can't compete now, but they're going to compete later on down the road, how will these contracts kind of look? Will these guys still be? as productive as they were now or a couple of seasons previous. What are your, what is your, what's your reaction, Alex, the Texas Rangers spending big, does this move the needle in them possibly becoming a playoff team, a wildcard team? I mean, they're nowhere near, I, I still think they're nowhere near, of course, a division title. I think you'd agree as well. Um, the rotation got better. I mean, they have DeGrom, they have uh, what well, well, we had a good season of Martin Perez last season. He had some very good uh, time, very good months during the season. You have John Gray, you got Dane Dunning, um, trying to think of some other guys as well. But you have a rotation that is is definitely a lot better. But is it enough to move that needle to a third or second place finish in the West? I don't think it is. Um, so there's two sides of the coin for me with the Rangers. One side of the coin, I really do like um, the relentlessness they have with free agency. Yep. I like it when an owner is down to spend money. They want to prove it to the fans that we're not just here to mess around and waste your time. We want to win in a really big way. And they're showing that with the checks they're writing. So I like that they went and got Seager and Semi, and it definitely helped them this season. Both those guys had solid years. Um, DeGrom, Travis, is someone who I expect, of course, to have an impact. How could he not? Um, but I think that the amount of money they're committing to a guy who, as much as we love him, Travis, uh, the last two seasons has had, uh, had them cut short because of injury. And I yeah. do expect him to still be great when he is on the mound. Um, but I don't know how much that 100 mile an hour fastball and you know 92 mile an hour slider. I don't know how that's gonna age. You know when you get to years three and four of this deal, I also don't know um, how many innings you can kind of ask for him in a single season. Mm -hmm. All those reasons, I think he's in my mind, Travis was more of a cherry on top for a team that needed the final push yeah. a team like the Dodgers, a team like maybe the Braves, a team like maybe the, I mean, the Cardinals, I feel like were never linked to them, but just a team who was a contender that wanted to get the extra oomph. Yes. For me, I don't think DeGrom is a player who's really gonna, you know, add 10, 10 wins to a team that, you know, had a losing record yeah, last year yeah. who they were Travis. I mean, the angels, we can talk about all the woes and all the bad stretches that they had and all the injuries. And somehow the Texas Rangers who I think they won the season series against us, they still finished worse than us, which 68 wins. They, they had all the sexy signings in the off season that we kind of wish we had, but yeah. it didn't even make a difference in the records, at least in the standings angels still finished ahead of them. So could DeGrom swing them in a positive way and, and make them in that wild card race a little bit longer? Because they were in it for a little bit and they fell off in, in, in late summer and fall. But yeah. um, 
it's definitely possible he has that level of impact. And I think they will continue to make moves. But for me, Travis, what makes the Rangers a wild card threat is not what DeGrom ends up doing, even though, of course, he could be a big help. He could make the headlines. I still feel like what makes them a difference maker is um, what kind of steps do we see a guy like Jonah Heim make? Um, they have the third baseman, uh, Jung. Uh, I think he's someone who's going to mo- be more likely to uh, make a difference at that position based mm-hmm. on what they had last year. Um, I think that, you know, Nate Lau, Nate Lowe at first base is making some good strides as well. He had a and, great second half last Dulles season Garcia, uh, it, it, is, is turning into a great all-star. So I think if they get more from guys like that, that are going to support the Seagers, Semi and DeGroms of the world, I think that's really what's going to make a difference. I know I don't expect us to see lighter this year, mm-hmm. um, but I do know that like, those are the types of guys, those, those, those prospects that are one or two years away, that could be a generation uh, for the Rangers that really ends up being a wild card threat, maybe a division threat at some point. If those guys all kind of click at the right time, in terms of this current generation, like we're talking about, you know, DeGrom, Seeger, Semyon, Garver, while those guys are in their primes, I don't see it as much. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a perfect storm, right? Where like their prospects are coming up and sort of breaking out right before those big names kind of start fading out and it can all be a perfect storm. If they get to that point, then they could definitely be scary. But I don't see that happening this year personally for me. Mm-hmm. Of course, they could still make more deals and I could change my mind there. But I just think that based on what they have right now, I am not super, super bought in on them. I still think overall... Hats off to ownership and general management for getting the job done. Because when you can bring a guy that that's 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 that special to your team, I think you have to try to do it. Um, show your fans you're being competitive. But um, at the end of the day, I don't think it's a needle mover to all of a sudden make them a team that's way scarier than they were last yeah, year. Yeah, and even if he provides ten wins to their to their win totals from last year, it, you're you're looking at a seventy eight win team. You know, you're not even looking at a five hundred ball club, and that's not even remotely close to. Uh, you know, making the playoffs, they would almost need 20, 20 wins to get to a playoff spot, 88 wins. And, and would- that, that's where that depth, I think, help comes in. That's mm-hmm. what's going to get you to have a 20 win increase from last season is if you have two or three breakout players at, you know, third base, at first base, in the outfield, at catcher, and all those kind of depth spots outside of the big signings break out as yeah, well. That's yeah. what will make the difference. Yeah, so I, I, in all in all, it's, again, like you said, I love the aggressiveness. I love that the Rangers are are making a strong push. Chris Young, who is their, uh, I believe he's the GM, might be the president as well. Uh, he was a former MLB player. You don't see too many former MLB players becoming uh, you know, general managers in the system. So it's fun to see a guy like that uh, go out there and get such strong pitching, get the ace of Major League Baseball. Uh, and then, of course, we haven't really talked too much about it, Alex, but they got a new manager, Bruce Bochy, uh, coming out of retirement, was the San Francisco Giants manager for that dynasty they put together, the the three championships in, I believe it was four or five years. I think it was five or six years they put together, 2010, 2012, and then 2014 they went on and won the World Series all those years, the even years of, of felt like of the, of the 2010s decade. But uh, looking at the numbers too, the big number that sticks out, I mean, this guy has not thrown, and Jacob DeGrom, he has not thrown 100 or more innings in a season since 2019. And that was his age 31 season. And last year was his age 34 season through 64 innings. The previous year he threw 92. Now I get in 2020, 
it may look may look off he threw 68 but he actually was uh you know up there with some of the uh some of the higher inning mark pitchers that season i I don't know exactly who led the league in innings pitch that season but it's it's definitely going to be a change to getting that arm uh you know increasing the innings as the season goes on and and seeing if he can get up to the 150 175 mark in innings pitch also a new ballpark texas is a very good hitting ballpark not saying his numbers are going to just spike dramatically but they should possibly go up with who he's facing um and then of course the division a very tough division so we'll see exactly how he can face some of these hitters alex can be fun mike trout shohei otani um Jordan Alvarez is so many great sluggers of the game will be facing DeGrom. We'll get those matchups almost every single year now. So that, of course, is what I'm most exciting for. But uh, Jacob DeGrom going to the Rangers, an excellent pickup. I don't know if it gets them into a playoff spot just yet, but that's why uh, the the aggressiveness right now really is uh, intriguing to see exactly how they can kind of turn this ship around, possibly get some new additions via trades or some new signings as well. Uh, but that will we'll see, of course, during this winter meetings, if anything is going to happen with all that. But uh, that basically wraps up, I would say, the AL West and what's happened in the past week, week and a half or so since Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I know the Mets, of course, very, very upset. They lost their guy. They lost their ace. But, but they were able to get another one. And uh, Steve Cohen, the owner of the New York we, Mets. We knew it was coming, right, Travis? We knew it was coming. When they were you not... lose DeGrom, we know that Cohen is going to rage spend on somebody else. <laughs> rage. I, I like that word. I like rage spend. That's a good phrase right there. But he definitely did that, Alex. Mets today, December 5th, finalized and acquired Justin Verlander, reigning American League Cy Young Award winner. He will be going to the New York Mets on a two-year, $86 million bum, bum, dollar bum. contract. That's about $43 million AAV. When I saw this thing come through, Alex, the one thing the one thing that came to my mind is, A, reunited with his one buddy, Max Scherzer. Looks like the 2013 Tech, the Detroit Tigers are now back together on the New York Mets. They just got to go out there and get Rick Porcillo. Uh, they got Anibal Sanchez, Anibal Sanchez the and a couple gang. other guys and, and, and they're, they're the bands back together, but reunited with Max Scherzer. Then the other thing I thought was about $85 million is being spent on two pitchers who are not young. They are 40, 40 plus years old. And you are spending a lot of money on two Cy Young Award winners, guys that Legends have had of the Hall game. of Fame careers. I I love it, and I just don't. I I I love Steve Cohen doing this, but at the same time, I don't know. I I I don't know. Can you see both of these guys getting 34 starts this year, 200 innings pitched, 175 to 200 innings pitched, uh, no, and, and being no. and being effective? I mean, being effective, I can see, but. Can you see these guys for the durable uh, length of the season, Alex? I'll, I'll, I, 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 give I'll, me your thoughts. I'll, I'll give you a twist, okay? Here's a twist on what you just asked me. I'll ask you back. Can you see Scherzer and Verlander next season doing what Scherzer and DeGrom did last season? Yes, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't nothing crazy, yeah. right? It was like a very good 
um, rate-based stats, yeah. good ERAs, not crazy volume. Both guys had injuries, but they got through it, and both were available in the postseason. Yes, That's all the Mets, I think, really need. The one problem I'll say is that the Braves are always going to be good because they're just a smart team. Mm-hmm. They keep retooling. I'm sure their offseason is not over yet. And the Phillies, we'll get to them later, also made a huge deal. So maybe the Mets could be in trouble if the division race just becomes way too stacked but i think at least if we're talking wild card they have the talent for sure and verlander definitely helps the upside he will hopefully help them in a playoff series even though i'm never a big fan of his playoff resume um at least the world series resume but and also with max scherzer are you a big fan of his playoff resume i mean he's had some good starts but he's also had some starts i go back to the 2019 wild card game he got pulled in that game against the milwaukee brewers yes travis i agree but would you like them to be angels no i mean give me Give me Suarez and give me Detmers right there. Same game. I I, I I see I see your point about those two legends in the playoffs. I agree. I think the numbers get a bit worse in the playoffs. But they get you there. Atlantis. But they help get you there. And really, at the at the end of the day, not everyone's going to land the guy that's beast in the playoffs. Travis, is DeGrom beast in the playoffs? He never makes the playoffs. So, I mean, you're letting a that's guy... Right. You're letting it's not a, like Mike Trout. He's not really too good in the playoffs either, so... So I, I, I guess my only point is this, Travis. I think that Verlander, well, I will agree, giving that much money to guys who are that old is a questionable sort of game plan. Mm-hmm. It's still a game plan that I see the logic behind because at the end of the day, they didn't need an Cy Young DeGrom to make the playoffs like they did. They won, what, 101 games? They had half a season of DeGrom, and honestly, his numbers weren't even that good compared to what he usually gives you. Scherzer was very solid, did not pitch a full season either. Um, It really came down to their depth in terms of pitching. A good bullpen, you know, they, they paid up for Diaz. I expect him to have some regression. I mean, I just don't think you can do that twice in a row, what he just did. So yeah, I yeah. see that having a bit of a step backwards, but maybe someone else steps up instead. Um, you know, I think Alonzo, Lindor, those kind of guys are here to stay with their production. But um, I think Verlander filling in for DeGrom makes sense. I do like DeGrom better personally um, in terms of what I would expect him to produce. But both mm-hmm. guys, there's an age component, there's an injury component, lots of variables and question marks there. And I do understand that you don't want to sign question marks to big uh, guaranteed money, but it is a shorter contract. Um, you're, you're getting, I, I well, will say, if, 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 if Verlander, of course, is pitching like he is, like he did last season, you're getting, you're getting your money's worth right then. Correct, yeah. correct, yeah. of course. And I think the other kind of factor is um, more so than the pitching side. Of course, this was a big question mark for them because I think their third pitcher in the lineup right now in in the rotation is Carrasco, and then it kind of falls off to McGill and others. But um, I I know that they have to figure out who's going to replace the Bassett, you know, component because he's leaving as well. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I'm also concerned about who they're going to fill in for Nimmo. Um, I'm wondering if they try to trade uh, to get maybe like a Reynolds or someone else that could be like a similar to a Nimmo, but mm-hmm. maybe they try to keep Nimmo. I think that they have other things to figure out. I think in terms of figuring out the top of the rotation, Verlander is a great pick. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. It is a lot of money. I do agree. It is a jaw-dropping amount, um, and it could totally crash and burn if Verlander gets hurt, and now you're paying him all this money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Cohen, Travis, is down to write the big checks, so uh, hats off to him for, get, for getting it done. He's made a big presence in the pitching so far, yes. giving Diaz a record contract and now giving Verlander a record contract. And he gave Scherzer last year almost a, a record contract. Um, 
it's funny looking even at these top three starting pitchers. And again, I'm so fixed on the age factor, but Carrasco will be 36 entering opening day. Scherzer will be 38 entering opening day and Verlander will be, will be 40 entering opening day. Uh, I, I really wonder if that's going to be a huge factor in the season. And, and I mean, if you, if they had a bet in Vegas and it said, you know, will Scherzer and Verlander be healthy the whole season? I guarantee, I mean, the, the obvious pick would be no. I, I mean, I, I think those would be the, the uh, minus minus 300 odds that they are going to get hurt sometime this season, or they're going to have some small setback. Uh, obviously you don't hope for that, but that's what I always just can in, very concerned about when you drop this kind of money for a guy that's this uh you know a guy, guy that's up there in age and verlander just came off tommy john so you definitely can make that claim that he probably will not have tommy john again you know the arm should be in pretty good shape but uh it's just always a, a factor you know dropping this much money on you know two guys De definitely crazy. definitely i think the velo kind of stuck around this year a lot of the pitches still looked very good i can definitely see um him kind of lasting into his 40s as like still a very good above average pitcher yep. i'm not sure how long the ace level stuff will stick around but um he seems to be like the, the kind of workhorse iron man travis let's move it from uh, we're talking about Hall, future Hall of Famers right now. Let's talk about another future Hall of Famer, Carlos Santana. No, I'm just kidding. Clay, <laughs> Clayton Kershaw is who I was going to say. Clayton Kershaw to the Dodgers, Travis. I don't, I'm not exactly sure what happened here. but That was I, finalized today. I thought we knew about this a while ago, did it, we not? We, we did like three weeks ago. and then But it got I, finalized today, $20 million. just didn't pass or I don't know. Yeah, yeah so I think it's a $15 million contract with a $5 million signing bonus. So $20, okay. $20, million. $20 million. That's a about what the um qualifying offer is what do you think about that deal does that deal make sense to you and it, it does i mean again i i just my, my biggest question is how how many more years am i going to see clayton kershaw with these one-year deals i feel like last year was one year 21 mil and now this year it's one year 20 mil so it was almost a one million dollar deduction but i i just am I, i'm curious to see what he provides this season one interesting you know idea i had was Oh my God, imagine this didn't get finalized. And imagine if for some reason the Rangers brought him home and then you got DeGrom and Kershaw going one, two. Now I'm not saying these guys are going to be, you know, in the same level of impact that they were five years down, you know, earlier. But I mean, can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine DeGrom, Kershaw? I mean, that would just draw insane amounts of attendance for that opening series at home if you were to have those two guys starting in game one and game two. That'd be awesome. But it's it's definitely a pick the Dodgers needed to get. It just feels right. I, I mean, seeing Kershaw play in another home, it, it definitely uh, would would be interesting to. to it would look be at weird. That. But now that you see all these pitchers, you see Degrom and uh, you know some of the other guys that are leaving their uh, you know their teams they were you know grown up with. Now they're leaving them for other franchises. Uh, it, it definitely is an interesting conversation and, and topic to look at. What does Kershaw's career look like? Is he one of those guys that might be almost like a Sandy Koufax that will have a short kind of just dominant prime career? Uh, you know, for sure, Hall of Famer, of course. But uh, it, it's someone that I, I'm very interested to see exactly what he can provide this year. Is he going to have that? You know, I feel like every Dodger fan knows he's going to have that just routine back IL stint six weeks, uh, you know, no pitching. What's going to happen there? But it's 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 a question that Dodgers are going to have as well. I mean, they lost Tyler Anderson. Um, they don't have Walker Bueller. 
Uh, they got Clayton Kershaw back. You really wonder. They have to be hungry, I feel like, in this market right now because, I mean, the team, it's it's not it's – not, uh, it's not a disaster, but it's just some. It's a team that's fallen apart, and, and we'll get into one of their, uh, you know, big impactful players signing with another team. So they, are, of course, will be looking for uh, a new middle infielder. But uh, it, it, it's it's a good move, I think, for Kershaw. But I think, of course, the Dodgers, uh, if, if if he has the same season as last year, it's going to Dodgers aren't going to offer these one year deals anymore. I don't, let, I don't think. Let, let's go there right now, Travis. I had a question written down. I was going to save it till we finished up all the news but let's just go here now you already mentioned it uh, like subtly trey turner is going to the phillies we'll cover that in just one moment it was a great contract that i want to ask you more questions about but let's just stop with united with an old friend that that's correct but but (laughs) staying on the dodgers briefly travis i wrote down a question i wanted to ask you and you kind of started to bring it up so it's perfect segue how do the Dodgers respond? And this is a question I wrote down mm-hmm. after seeing, I, for some reason, Travis felt in my heart, I felt like JV was going to be a Dodger. Mm-hmm. And if not him, maybe DeGrom or someone else like that. Yeah. But I just really saw the Dodgers making a push for a guy who they can get for a short AAV because that's just what they've been doing. Sorry, a high AAV, short uh, contract length. They did it with Bauer. Um, they've kind of been doing it every single offseason with different guys. Freeman and Betts are kind of the exceptions where these guys are superstars with skill sets that will age well. So we can kind of afford to give them longer contracts. But everyone else, Travis, they've really been focusing on shorter deals. I always kind of felt like they weren't going to keep Trey Turner, but they officially let Trey Turner walk. They officially are not getting DeGrom or JV. Some of the big fish are leaving the market. Still many big fish yeah. out there they can still try to get. But what do you think the Dodgers do to respond after missing out on some of these names? And I will also add this. They got Bauer. They got Betts. They got Freeman. All those deals happen like towards the end of the cycle. Like yeah. Those are like February, almost March deals yes. when they happen. So um, because of that, I'm not worried that they're not going to miss out on anybody. They definitely still could um, get their guy um, and, and be a huge splash. But how do you think they react after missing out on some guys that they might have been linked to? Um, and we know they want to add because yeah. there's money coming off the table. Um, so give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know that video of the... Uh baseball player where he gets thrown at and then he automatically like drop kicks the catcher and then runs at the pitcher. Oh yeah. That, that's what I see the Dodgers right now with Aaron judge. I, I think they, yeah. I think that they are a team that's used to the big splash and I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's going to be a Dodger, but I think right now you, you lose out on Justin Verlander, you lose out on Trey Turner, you lose out on DeGrom, um, you could still go after, you know, the big three shortstops left on the market. But I feel like the Dodgers always have that. Um, that they always have that. I don't know how to say it, but they, just, they always have that identity of landing the big fish. So, you know, I, I I can see them making some sort of a counter offer if for some reason they gets into a Yankees Giants bidding war. And those are the two teams that are going strong. And then the Dodgers just hop right in. Uh, and, and make some noise, Alex. I I I can see that happening. I, I don't think it's a must right now. They have so many prospects. Maybe it's time the Dodgers sort of shift towards. Let's start looking at some of our prospects and 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 getting them ready for MLB uh, playing time. Maybe maybe we spent too many off seasons getting that 
big free agent, that big dog that maybe it's time to start looking and 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 focusing on the future. Now, I mean, there's still going to be a division winner kind of team. They're going to have that kind of talent. But maybe they say, let's take a step back. Let's start looking towards that. I DM'd you a couple of days ago and I said also, I, I, I think they're a team that really really wants a guy like Shohei Otani. So I think maybe they can even be looking at this offseason as we're not going to make the same noise as we usually do. We're waiting for something in about 365 days. We're waiting for the biggest name in the free agent market history to be hopefully not dropping. But I think that's a name that they're definitely looking at as we want to have space for a guy like that. So I, I, I can see a judge possibility, but I just, again, I, I, I mean, it's something that we haven't really heard, you know, lingering right now in the free agency market. You know, I think there's just two definite teams, the Yankees and the Giants for a guy like judge, but I, I don't know. I, I mean, I mean, anything can happen. They, they always seem to slide in on a lot of these guys last year. We saw, we saw Freeman going to the Braves and it was, you know, on the five yard line and then the Dodgers just swooped on in and then you see Olsen going to the Braves and then the Dodgers are now the favorite to land Freddie Freeman. So, um, it is interesting right now, though, but a lot of the big names are coming off the board and the Dodgers aren't doing anything about it. So um, do they still try to make some things work? There's still a lot of good names out there, Alex, that they can still go out there and get. And in a matter of a month, we could be saying, holy crap, they got they got they got Correa. They got, they got Correa, know, Bogarts and Swanson. Yeah, yeah. They got Correa. They traded for this guy. They got, you know, Carlos Rodon. They they look spectacular right now. So of course. Who knows? Who knows? But it, it is interesting right now. There are they are a team that is being um is pretty subtle and, and maybe that's scary. Maybe maybe they're just kind of that that lion waiting in the in the tall grass that's ready to strike for something. But uh it, it, it's it's definitely an interesting question that a lot of big guy a lot of big names are going off the board. And, uh, you know, teams that made the playoffs last year are, are getting better. So uh, it, it's, it's an interesting question to, to, to ask. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I could see them going for Judge, but I will add this. I do feel like their biggest ads are probably going to be position players. Um, the one thing that stands out to me about the Dodgers the last few seasons, of course, they added Bauer. But besides that, have not. I mean, and then they traded for Scherzer. But yeah. in terms of getting a big free agent arm, um their pitching is really good anyways, is yeah. my thought. Like this season, Travis, I've talked about it probably every podcast I get the chance. They had, I, if I'm not mistaken, the best ERA plus by a team ever. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a team that missed out on Bueller. He was injured. They missed out on half a season of May, half a season of Gonsolin, who was going to be their Cy Young candidate, ends up being he gets hurt. Urias steps up, becomes almost a Cy Young kind of guy. Um, we're talking about... Serious contributions from Andrew Heaney, Tyler Anderson, guys who we did not think of as guys who were going to contribute to a uh, kind of all-time caliber rotation. Bullpen, Travis, they just continue to add guys like Yancy Almonte, Alex Vessia. These are just guys who were not on anybody's radar a couple years ago. All of a sudden, come to the Dodgers, make a few tweaks, become shutout guys. Um, They continue to kind of do this with guys who you don't expect. So for that reason, I don't think they want to spend big, big money on big time pitching because they can develop good pitching anyways. And of course, if they end up not making any huge trades, they have good pitchers coming up as well. Pepio made his debut last year. I could see him uh, making more of an impact this season. Uh, Bobby Miller, someone, Travis, I'm not sure when he's expected to make his first yeah. appearance, but we know about him. Uh, he throws gas. We and know that. They still that. got Gonsolin. They still got Dustin May. They still have a bunch of yes. flamethrowers, or at least Gonsolin being just a good finesse guy. But, I mean, I mean, Urias, Gonsolin, 
Kershaw, uh, May. It's so far, you know, four good guys that can that can again. They're, they're gonna they're gonna yeah. have ERAs under a three five. They, they just they just need to find next year's Heaney slash Tyler Anderson yeah. instead of you know paying record setting money for Degrom or Verlander. Yes. They they can just do a more log, uh, logical sort of um, you know. Creative solution, yeah. And then I think the bigger splash could come with... um, I don't really see them on Judge. I I feel like they would shy away from like the 10... year nine year kind of deal Mm -hmm. i could see them maybe like a six years for like bogarts maybe big aav i could see them honestly going for correa i'm not sure that that really meshes well with the fans but i think the dodgers don't really care about that they want to win games Mm -hmm. uh and correa would be a fit i saw a sign that said welcome home cheater (laughs) for correa (laughs) yeah it was someone that that, some sign that someone made on like white bed sheets it was out, out front of some house but i think it's it's like a that's very funny for probably some husband that just got home and the wife put that outside or something like that. But I like it. But, but, I, but again, I, again, I don't know. Korea, I feel like is a guy that is going to want, he wants 10 years. He wants a lot of years. Sure. Uh, and I don't know if Dodgers, we've seen that over the last couple of seasons They're they're, they're down to give you a higher AAV for shorter terms. I mean, I think, I think back when Harper was a free agent, Alex, they, they were looking at like three or four years and $50 million. And imagine if that deal went through and, Harper was a free agent right now and you got an MVP season out of him. And then you got that postseason. You'd be saying, holy crap, you know, how do the Dodgers see this deal again? Like, I mean, the way that Harper was playing in his MVP season, he was worth 40, 50 million dollars. The way he was playing this past postseason, he was worth 50 million dollars for those big games. So it's it's funny that that they were a team that was linked to Harper and, you know, paying him 40 million dollars a season, but, you know, only giving him three, you know, four years uh, you know, he's of course went for the long-term money as most guys want to go ahead and go after. Uh, but it's just, again, it's funny that, that they are so big on the, uh, the shorter deals and, uh, it, it's worked out so far, you know, for most of their deals, I would say Bauer's the only one that did not work out, but that was for, you know, other reasons, uh, other reasons of course happening, but, uh, well, It'll be it'll be fun to see how exactly how they respond. Yeah, I do think it'll be a fun kind of point of emphasis as the uh, off season continues. We'll see if they make any moves in the winter meetings. But Travis, let's keep it rolling. Uh, a similar conversation. Trey Turner did leave the Dodgers. He is signing with the Phillies. I believe it was eleven years, three hundred million, if I'm not mistaken. That's the kind of deal, Travis. That. Um, you know, him and Harper are just going to be boys now. They're just going to be best. <laughs> exactly. They're just going to be best buds uh, till twenty thirty and beyond. They're just going to be locked in. So I do think that um, it's a great addition for that team. Uh, I respect Dombrowski's uh, desire to say, "Hey, we made our splash last year. Mm-hmm. We feel like we have the talent to run it back." Um, it's very hard to make the World Series consecutive years, especially when you made it last year kind of out of the blue. But there's up-and-coming talent that I think is ready to contribute. If Bohm's bat takes a step or if the defense takes a step, um, it's going to be that much more of a help at third yeah. base. Getting that middle infielder, I think it's an upgrade. Not a second, yeah. Yeah, because Segura was, uh, he is a free agent, I believe. Um, you know, they, they let go of Gregorius uh earlier and and so i think because of i think if we're talking about just looking at who they had taking at bats in the middle infield last year compared to this coming year it's going to be much a better uh you know production out of trey turner who is a premier shortstop of course um and then the bats we all know the bats in the outfield already mash um hoskins already mashes so the offense should be working on all cylinders if they could somehow add um 
like a third pitcher, in my opinion. Like Rodon would be like the dream scenario. Ooh, but yeah. even if they couldn't get that, if they could just get a Bassett or someone like that, I think that that would really make them a much deeper team that can really compete in that NL East for the division as opposed to just the wild card. So um, give me your overall thoughts on uh, the Trey Turner deal. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, first thing I thought was, man, Corey Seager's uh, – contract just looks better and better every single year i mean his agents got to get uh, a huge props for that and and the rangers of course by just I'm not saying they overspent but they they went to a rage spend uh as well where you know 10 years 300 and i think 25 mil so you're getting about 32 and a half mil aav uh compared to trey turner's he's getting 27 about 27 million dollars a season for for this contract but uh i, I mean w- what a just just what a what an awesome signing for the Phillies I mean coming off uh an insane wild card push two and a half weeks of amazing baseball being played in Philadelphia uh not the season they wanted but just a great finish on the year to get that third place uh in the NL East and then of course the last wild card spot uh it, it it's a move that I don't 100% know Alex if it makes them a second or a first place team in the east the east is very very good it's very deep i i I am curious to see exactly how some of these teams finish out uh i mean you'd have to say the mets kind of i don't know if they've gotten better i don't i don't think they've gotten really a lot worse so you can look at that aspect the braves haven't really made any moves at all they they, they've kind of just been standing there so we'll see if they can get their shortstop back if he they bring him back um, or if they move on to more younger talent, but uh, the, the Phillies have definitely taken a step in the in the right direction. One bad thing about them right now is they're going to be missing, I think, one half of Bryce Harper. Um, I don't. Is he able to DH? Do, do, you, do you did you hear that at all? I think he can start swinging. I think it was like two months or six okay. weeks or something okay. like that. So okay. he won't be ready opening day, but uh, he won't miss uh, a crazy long time. Okay. Okay. I, for some reason, I thought he was going to have to miss the first half, but maybe that's just for him playing outfield reasons. Because I I would think they'd want him in the outfield over. I, I, and, I don't know. I, and and I, there still was some uncertainty on what the thing was. I think someone said it was Tommy John and someone said it was something else. So if it was Tommy John, yeah. then I think that means he can't throw. Yeah, so I don't yeah. know when he could play outfield. But I, I remember when Shohei had Tommy John, he was DHing. But uh, I, the big thing was don't get hit in your like right elbow. But he had so much padding on his right elbow. But yeah. uh, it's not so much the the you know the 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 bruising and, and the physical impact of a baseball it's just that you just don't want some of those ligaments and tendons to be stretched out too much so that's fine and all that if he can still dh and he maybe he'll miss you know the first three weeks to first month of the season but uh that lineup just got even more deadlier alex i mean gene segura was a good hitter throughout the season but he wasn't at this level of trey turner uh that that we that we've been seeing for you know the the last three to four years now so um that's honestly in, insanely special to see and and what he can provide for that team uh it's it's going to be it's going to be a really fun year again in the nl east i I feel bad for teams like the marlins and the nationals again that kind of have to go through just all these juggernaut teams in in this division uh for for another season and 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 just to kind of see you know how this phillies team can kind of hopefully increase their win total get to a better spot and, and and make another you know strong push for the postseason run uh Thoughts on on Trey Turner, I guess, for you, Alex. I mean, he's he he's a special. He's a cool player because I I mean I love the speed. He does play good defense. Did did make some uh, 
questionable errors uh, in the playoffs last year for the Dodgers. Some routine plays that did not get made, but he's just such a fun player to watch. He has good, he gets good power, good speed. It just seems like if he gets one in the gap, it, it's it could be a stand-up triple for him. So thoughts on Trey Turner uh, going to uh, back to the NL East? Yeah, I like him. I like him for the Phillies, of course. I like him in in anyone's middle infield, especially with Bryson Stott. I can see some slick plays being made there. Uh, I I really it's funny. The first my first thought is that everyone's gonna say that they got their like leadoff hitter right. I yeah. just don't want him hitting leadoff. For me, mm-hmm. he's what most people want in a leadoff hitter, but he's not what I want because he doesn't he doesn't walk that much. Mm-hmm. I really want a guy that walks. I think him hitting behind Schwarber is actually an amazing thought. I like Schwarber. It, 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 people get, think it sounds get, get weird. Reese Hoskins out of there. <laughs> I, I think because for, for, from my from my perspective, yeah. Schwarber's going to walk a lot. And when I have Schwarber on first base, I want someone with speed at the plate to beat out a double play. Yeah. I'm always really kind of focused on like, I hate getting doubled up. How can we avoid that? That's well, true. Put speed behind a guy that's going to get on base yeah. a ton. And then after Trey Turner, I would just go Harper, someone who... Yeah, Harper, uh, Real Muto. Yeah. I like that a lot. And then and then you get into, of course, Hoskins, Castellanos, Bohm. Then that's... We're talking about Bohm hitting like seventh. That's some good depth there. Yeah. Um, especially if Castellanos has a bounce back. So I, I think their offense has so much potential. Um, you know, Marsh Stott down at the bottom if it's a ready pitcher. So I, I think that... There's tons to like if you are a Phillies fan. Of course, you wish you won the World Series last year, but at least you know your team is not going to say, oh, hope you fans enjoyed it. <laughs> but yeah. they're actually going to gonna kind of you know bounce back in full force. But Travis, I have a tangent question kind of going off <laughs> going off the Turner contract. Um, $300 million, correct? That's on the yes. total amount of money for 11 years. Yep. But just focusing on the $300 million, how many guys – for the rest of this free agency, do you think sign for over what Trey Turner is getting, three hundred million? Yeah, um, Aaron Judge is definitely one of them, uh, and then I think you have. I think uh, I, it depends on the years, but I, I feel like Correa has to be on there as well because I I, I think Correa has definitely. It, it, it's funny how I, I looked at the season last year, and you know he didn't make first or second team, but he had a great year for what he did for, for the games he was able to play, and then of course in twenty twenty one. That was his, you know, career season with the Astros. We all thought, okay, you know, I, I, I know he showed that, it wasn't a fluke at least last season. It, exactly, exactly. It, it showed that he has great power. He's a great defender, one of the best defenders on the free agency market over the past two seasons, Carlos Correa. So you knew you're going to get, you know, a six plus WAR season from a guy like him if he's healthy for 140 to 160 games. So I, I think that right now you, you're, I'm looking at. Correa and Judge are the only guys that can get north of 300 million right now. I, in in my head, I, I don't see. So you think the number's two? I think it's two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I, 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 you don't you don't see Bogarts. You don't see Swanson. You you don't you not at all see Rodon. I mean, I think Rodon's going to get. I think he was saying about six years. So uh, he's going to get probably somewhere in that uh, 100 to 200 million dollar range for for that contract, and then. Um, I don't, I don't really I, know too I think, many guys in those right now. I think that makes sense picking two. It just, I just had the thought because when Seager signed for the Rangers last offseason, we all kind of thought, oh, so now what's Correa going to get? He has yeah. to get more. He had yeah. a better year. And then it kind of surprised us all when he didn't get that money that we thought he might. So I thought I'd kind of throw it at you this offseason so we can kind of see. And he's younger you know, than, than than Trey. So he you, is. You, you Correa think is that younger. He, he probably wants. Um, more guaranteed. I mean, he, yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't think he's going to get 11 years. I, I think that Trey Turner's 
Um, it's actually really interesting. I love trying to think about how a player is going to look, yeah. you know, because Harper is going to be a corner outfielder or a DH for the rest of his career. Yes. But Trey Turner, I really wonder what a 37 year old Trey Turner looks like. <laughs> You're going to lose some of that speed, but I wonder if second you, base, <laughs> if you, if you keep the reflexes, you might be playing some second base. Yeah. Left field. Um, I mean, he plays, so, he played some center field, so he's definitely not playing center field at 37 though. So, right. Maybe, but maybe some left, like you said, um, I could see it. Uh, it's, it's interesting. And, and then, and a guy like Correa, we both talk about this off off the air. We see him developing into a third baseman very easily. A-Rod. He has the arm <laughs> strength for it. He has a pretty, you know, a decently sized frame. He's no small shortstop. So he's, yeah, I think he's one of the biggest shortstops. <laughs> I think he slots over to third there. baseman quite nicely. I know he has like the, the the hot glove. He has the fast arm. So I can see that making uh, too much sense as he gets into his mid thirties, maybe late thirties. Um, and so, yeah. And then Swanson, I really have, I truly have no idea. Maybe second base Bogarts, maybe second base as they age more, but um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting for me to kind of think about how these guys might look um, at the end of these long-term contracts. Yeah. Um, Trout's someone who also, Travis, I think at some point, who knows when, will probably switch over to right field, mm-hmm. um, maybe left field, and maybe in his, you know, he'll be, he'll be an angel until he's like 39, 40 or something like that. I forget when the contract ends, but at that point, maybe, maybe a DH. But either way, Travis, it is a lot of fun to kind of think about what this Turner contract might end up looking like and what these other shortstops might end up getting. But um, let's keep it rolling. There's not that many more signings to talk about. I do have a couple written down here. Let's just try to keep these on the shorter side because they're not. I have a list of shorter ones I wanted to just mention. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> let's call it like thir- let's call it like thirty seconds to like a minute on each of these guys. I'll yeah. I'll start us off and then you can give some names as well. No problem. Um, Clevenger to the White Sox. What was your first thought when you saw that? Yeah, one year, twelve million. Uh, I'm I'm assuming they just want to see if he can have some sort of turnaround in his career. Uh. I don't I don't know how the White Sox are looking at this next season. I I, I think they have Liam Hendricks almost on a trade. Uh, they, they, I they heard that today. His name. So are I don't think they're tearing down their team and and trying to rebuild it. They, they have a team that should be a postseason you know eligible team. I just think that they need to see if Mike Clevenger can have just a one year of getting his stuff kind of back together. He was good on the on the Indians when he was uh, in Cleveland, but. Uh, I look at this trade as, or the look at this signing as just uh, hopefully again, trying to find that, uh, you know, that, that last, you know, almost diamond in the rough or, or trying to see exactly uh, what this guy can give for, for one year, possibly get an extension. Things just don't work out for the White Sox. He could be a trade piece down the road. Yeah, that makes sense to me too. I'm thinking the same way. Um, I'll tell you this much, Travis. It makes me feel better about the Angels getting Tyler Anderson for 13 million oh, yeah. AAV, only one million more than uh, than Clevenger is getting. Obviously, you have to pay him for a guaranteed three years for Tyler Anderson, whereas Clevenger's the one-year kind of risk it deal. But I still think that the value of Tyler Anderson's deal, Travis, for me, it's gotten better. Looking at the fact that it, it, um, it's nice, yeah, that some of these guys like Clevenger, who had a pretty poor season last year. Um, with not that much, you know, bad in the playoffs, not much to write home about that positively. He's getting 12 million, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, only one more million for a guy who was an all star. Mm-hmm. This other pitcher, Travis, is also getting a decent amount of money. I think it's 10 million. I'll have to double check. 10 million one year. I believe it's Boyd, Matt Boyd, back to the Tigers. Um, he was with them before. I think he was a giant last year. 
back to the Tigers. Him getting ten million, Travis. That to me says <laughs> that to me says that. I, and you know, he's someone who has always had some upside. I think some potential. Never really fully tapped into it in a big way. Um, might have been decent in like 2019, but I think he's always had kind of this optimism about him that hasn't really dialed in yet. I almost saw like maybe a Dodgers trying to trying to yeah. do what they did with Heaney and do it with Matt Boyd now, something like that. True. But, yeah. but he's going back to the Tigers. Ten million is a lot, isn't it? It's a lot of money. And for a guy that only pitched 13 innings last year, uh, he was uh, he, he came into 10 games, 13 innings. A 1.35 ERA. I don't know what happened down the stretch. There might have been an injury with Seattle. I I don't even think he pitched an inning with the uh, with the Giants. It, it says that he went to the Giants last year, but did he not pitch once? He did not pitch once oh, with wow. the Giants. So uh, it's again. I, I think it's just another deal that the Tigers are hoping they can flip him some way throughout throughout the season. Maybe they can get some sort of you know good two to three months, possibly be an All Star. Uh, kind of player down the stretch but again I, I mean the Tigers aren't I don't think looking to make some big moves in that American League Central so I think it's just a move they're hoping to uh, to move you know somewhere down the season a depth piece right now hoping that they can uh, you know strike gold with him at least for the first half of the season it's really funny that I, you mentioned it so I went to his baseball reference page he's got the Giants hat on in the I pi- saw, in the yeah, picture but, but you look to the seasons and he never played there but I do think he was traded there or, or maybe he was cut and, and signed there but either way Travis um, it does seem like a lot it makes me feel a bit better it's, about it's, it's funny that you know him in 2018 and 2019 he was he was creating such great um, trade buzz and the numbers weren't great especially on baseball reference I mean, it was, as an era he's always lived north of four he's always been around there but to it was me, funny he, how he was creating he was such a durable pitcher that he was creating so much buzz he to me he was like a angels version of heaney where we all kind of knew he had some good tools yeah um there was just some things that weren't working things that weren't being tapped into um it still has not really worked out completely for him let's move on to another pitcher travis talking about kyle gibson he is going to the baltimore orioles um i think the deal here is i'm looking it says he's still a free agent on business reference. so they <laughs> it they've, was one year i believe right? it, it was a yeah, one-year deal yeah. i'm almost positive but one thing i'll say travis is even though uh his season was not great last year he had a 5.05 era with philly that is definitely below average last season yeah. um the season prior was much better at 3.71 that was an all-star year for him um what i'll say this last season in uh for the phillies talking about a pretty bad defense behind them for most of the season uh he will be going to baltimore which is as we all know from this season travis Hitters don't hit here very well. That's true. The left field, I think, is going to help his ERA quite a bit. I think the ERA gets better next season. I think Baltimore has a pretty solid defense. I know Jorge Mateo is a pretty good defender. Um, I know Cedric Mullen is a good defender. So there could be some pieces there, Travis, that really help him have a better ERA than he did uh, last season. So I'm not saying I absolutely love this deal, um, especially because I don't even know how much it was for. But uh, I I do think that um, there will be improvement this next season. What what do you think? There should be. And again, I think it's it's just a depth piece that they – are bringing in and and like you said i think that his era it should go down from last year based on that ballpark and and everything that he will have to face now of course he's facing the al east tough tough division 
uh, and we'll see how, how he fares against that. He was in a very tough division, of course, last year in the NL East. But again, it's 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 a depth piece, and I, I don't even know why you're even bringing it up right now. So, one Travis, <laughs> Travis, and in even even more surprising, why am I bringing this up? Another Baltimore Oriole, Franchi Cordero. <laughs> can, can, can they finally tap into his potential Charles, i think we should just skip that one and keep it yeah, rolling what I, do you I, say? I think we brought him up two years ago uh that was a guy that was what? the red Sox, like a young guy but i mean i again he, he clearly has not put it together at the no. big league level quite yet <laughs> Cordero, yeah. but um baltimore's hoping to tap something out of him we'll see if they can do that uh here's a trade or a signing i think is a bit more interesting um carlos santana the pirates yeah. travis he is someone who if you look at certain stats, you'd be like, this guy's washed. Like his batting average is he was not fun last year. It's his batting average is not good. His power though with Seattle, when he got hot, he was absolutely mashing. I think Seattle yeah. did a great job acquiring him. He definitely had a really um good stretch with them, especially in the postseason. We all remember that. But even in the end of the regular season, he was mashing the ball very well. He makes great quality yeah. of contact. His power numbers are absurd. Um contact is not very uh very often when it comes to his swing. But when he hits it, he hits it very hard. Has good discipline, good eye. Um, for me, Travis, it's a bit weird he's going to be a pirate. I feel like a, <laughs> I feel like a playoff team would have taken a flyer for him for a one-year deal. I'm surprised that – I mean, the Pirates, it's a one-year deal. It's not like he's going there for like some sort of guarantee like yeah. long-term. I thought a, a playoff team would give him that kind of contract. But First base DH spot for a team like that, yeah. He'll, he'll be a pirate. And the Pirates, I think they've already signed like two or three – first baseman this offseason i don't mm -hmm. know what their game plan is but uh it's what is it it's uh the rays uh jiman Choi. they got jiman Choi exactly i think there was also another guy in that mix but we'll see how they decide to work that you know maybe santana will go back to catching who knows but <laughs> I, I, I i think it's very likely it, it's 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 the definition of can again can you give me three months four months of quality offense and then i can trade you it somewhere. could be a good flip it could be a good flip and, and i looked at that and viewed that as it's basically the pirates looking to flip him it's kind of like last year i think the dimebacks got melanson for two years and like 11 million dollars or something like that alex and i thought man if he could have uh you know the melanson seasons of i think it was 2019 or 2020 that uh or even 2021 i think when he was i forget which year he was closing out for the braves i think it was 2020 but um and he was 2021 he was with the padres but i just thought man if if they can go down the road and, and he can have a good season in the bullpen then that would be obviously a good flip situation because you'd be getting melanson for the rest of the year and then of course one more year after that but i look at this situation again it's it's just about flipping him somewhere during the season pirates are not contending you don't think so? I, I I do not. I just sadly I just do not think so. So well, this question will also tie into that very uh, idea, Travis. Do you think Brian Reynolds, who requested a trade apparently today or yesterday, do you think he starts opening day for a different team? I will add this note on the top. MLB is not NBA. NBA, when you ask for a trade, yeah. you're probably getting traded. NFL, if a quarterback wants out, he's probably getting traded in a year or less. MLB. You don't see this very often no. where a player asks out. But I will say this, Travis. Brian Reynolds is someone who I think has a lot of upside. Um, we both, I think, have a lot of respect for him as a player. He was a rookie as recently as 2019. I remember that season. He had a, a batting title or close to it. But 130 OPS plus as a rookie. So he had finished fourth that year. He was he was he was very productive. Yeah, he had a 314 average, which is very good. Uh 
and then 2021 and all-star 2022 his uh, one of his better seasons as well so i think that there's just tons to like about him but i'll note this i kind of get why he's asking out because he's gonna be 28 start of next yeah, season yeah. and he won't be a free agent up until 2026 so he doesn't want to be a free agent when he's like 31 he wants to be a free agent or not a free agent but he wants to have a change of scenery sooner than later he doesn't doesn't want to wait for this pirate rebuild you know so do you think they grant that request and get a haul for him somewhat of a haul of prospects because you're getting a few years of a good outfielder all-star kind of guy and especially i think the situation that he goes to he could be he could be a scary he could be a scary center fielder i mean i I, the teams that come to mind that could use a all-star center fielder Dodgers <laughs> Dodgers could be good Padres could be really scary yeah Mets could be fun if they don't go with Nimmo here's a scary thought Travis Astro center fielder yeah. yeah that would really complete their team in a crazy way I'd like to see him batting second behind Altuve before yeah. before Alvarez that'd be a really fun bet for them so do you think yes or no Pirate or another team opening day I think yes I think him requesting and I think I, I he's a name that I have been thinking about for I, I would say the last two seasons on why the Pirates do not flip this guy from what he was last year a 912 OPS 145 OPS plus last season and over a 300 batting average um and, and you know great uh great extra base hit numbers for a center fielder was an all-star top 11 mvp last year i was questioning why they didn't do anything last year they kept on to him this season he again had a great year this season and i I just feel like the pirates would be i i don't i just think the pirates would be stupid to keep this guy i mean i mean he's gonna be a great player this next coming season why are you keeping him when you're probably not going to sign him when he's a free agent and you probably don't want to because he's going to be you know coming into his 30s and 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 he's going to of course not he's probably not going to want to play for pittsburgh when that time comes so i think a great team that is a playoff team right now would make so much sense you mentioned it i mean i said dodgers you said astros you named a bunch of teams i think we even talked about rangers i mean imagine if rangers were saying okay we're now going to put some of our prospects into the into the pirate system we're going to get a guy like brian reynolds to hit in our top of the order spots i mean he could fix a lot of teams right now you mentioned mets as well the mets could really solve a lot of problems he's I mean, a great switch hitting uh you know top of the order guy there's so many teams that would love to have him i'm just like trying to think of what if tomorrow morning aaron judge signs with san francisco imagine the yankees say screw that we're gonna go sign correa and trade for reynolds boom i think that might be better than they were with judge I, last I would season agree. i was gonna say so, i think they go i think they're better yeah so like i think there's so many teams that if they want to be aggressive and just give the pirates a big package ikf to pittsburgh <laughs> it, 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 it could very well be the case but um, it, it, it's it's fun it, it's it was such a fun idea when the news came out because i just thought to myself now teams are looking at okay if it's not worth judge judges judge might be asking some teams for 350 million dollars for seven years and it's just like okay th- that might just be headache money let's go out there and get a guy that is going to be of course not as productive but we can trade a couple of our prospects not even i don't even think top level prospects it for some teams sakes but I mean, Brian Reynolds is a good player. And I think if you put him in a situation where your team is winning ball games, that could be really fun. I mean, you just mentioned the Astros. I mean, holy cow. I mean, imagine that in the Astros order. I mean, he would love to hit with all those guys. That lineup would be in con- in contention for one it would of the be scariest fun. I've seen in, in quite a long time. It, it would be awesome to see him playing for a contender. 
So um, I say yes. I think he will not be a Pittsburgh Pirate on opening day. Got it. I, but it's funny because you don't see this every year. NFL, NBA, this James Harden request trade. He gets it. Exactly. Baseball players just don't do that. Um, that's one reason, of course, why I like baseball so much. But I, I, it, I, I really think that Pirates would be stupid to keep this guy because, again, you're, you're not competing at any level. If anything, this guy's holding you back because he's being so good. He's causing you to win games when you should be losing games. But uh, it, it, I think he's a guy that it, you have to get him out of there. Like you said, he's he's going to be he's going to be 28 on opening day. Right. And uh, you're basically in the prime of your career. You might as well ship him to a team that wants to win right now and would give up um, some, some good, some good players in return. So I think, I think he should be gone. I think he will be gone. Okay. That makes sense. Um, last two guys I've written down here, both will take about five seconds to talk about Julio Tehran. Travis will be a Padre. I do think he even starts for them next year. I had to even think who that guy was, but it, it the name um, reminded me. Uh, it, it, of, it was it was familiar of, of seasons past of with the Angels. So. Twenty twenty, just twenty twenty. Yeah, sadness. I, again, I, I it's a minor league guy. You're hoping in spring training he can he can have some sort of MLB level, um, you know, contributions contributions that you know hopefully he can be in the bullpen. I don't think he would be in the rotation. Maybe he can work his way in if he does well enough. But yeah. And last guy to talk about here, Chris Martin to Boston on a, I think it's a two year deal. Was it like 17 million? It was a good amount of money for a reliever who has had good years, but a little surprised to see Boston kind of make that sort of move for uh, just kind of interesting to me. What what was your thought? They're making moves for this guy when they should be focusing on extending Devers and they're not even (laughs) making that push for Devers. I don't know what's going on in Boston because they've gone from a team that I feel like was, was, pretty good to spending money now to we're not going to pay Mookie we're not going to pay Bogarts and now we're not going to pay um we're, we're not you know it, it's looking like they, they may have not, not made Devers, the move yeah. yet to, to pay Devers and so it, it's kind of sad I mean they they spent so much money when they you know when they got Carl Crawford a decade ago they got Adrian Gonzalez a decade ago they got Chris Sale you know five or six years ago and now it's just becoming they don't want to spend the money now of course they you know two years ago alex they were you know what in game five of the american league championship series on the verge of you know almost going up 3-1 against the astros but i i, I just think that they need to focus on a lock lock that guy at third base up he's gonna help you out for a decade to come and he's young and he's good make him an all-time red Sox uh kind of guy so it's funny that they're focusing on other areas that i just don't i don't think that's gonna help him at all but I could be wrong. The Red Sox, for some reason, at times just love to love to surprise. They love to surprise you. Yeah, exactly. So that pretty much wraps up all the signing. I also had Eflin down. I was going to say, point out Eflin because that is the biggest raise signing in history, I believe. Right? How? Yes, the uh, free agent signing. Yes. So you're excluding the extension of 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 a guy like a like a Wander, Wander Franco. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the in terms of free agent signing, Zach Eflin, um, you know, he had a very solid season he was a starter like two years ago maybe even beginning of last season i, I believe last last year he was he was starting games uh last year for the uh, Phillies. i did have him in fantasy at one point and i know that he was on the aisle for a long time and just came back strictly in a bullpen role the rays must see something they like because they're really smart i'm never going to tell them that they're doing something wrong because i know that they will end up uh screwing me over so um they must see something they really like i know eflin's great at throwing strikes i think he's a really good control guy Maybe they see something about one of his pitches in terms of how it breaks or, you know, something like that. And I think that they can just tap into something there. And funny that he got basically the same contract as Tyler Anderson. 
I mean, Tyler's got three years, 39 mil. He got three years, 40 mil. So it, it's, it's funny that again, another, another should be under the radar steal for the angels so far. Do, well, sure. And so do you think that because of that contract, Eflin will be a starting pitcher for them? Uh, do you, you think know, he'll be in the, my first thought was what, bullpen, honestly, but I really don't even know anymore. I, I think the Rays can do whatever they want with him. I think he'll be good. <laughs> I, I think he'll be good next year. And I yeah, think he, no matter where they put him, he'll be effective. Knowing them, they'll probably use an opener, then go to Eflin, then go to someone else, and they're just gonna allow one run in the whole game. But um, let's keep it rolling, Travis. Is there anyone else I missed, or we pretty much got no everybody? No one else. That sh- that that is kind of the the sadness signings of the, uh, or at least the uh, the 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 bottom of the barrel moves so far. But we got through, the, of course, the big names, and then we of course had to give some love to those guys that got the uh, the smaller deals, and, and you know, like guys that could be flipped. Two more questions for you, Travis. These are just things that. We're kind of similar to that. How did the Dodgers respond? Question in the Trey Turner question. A couple more questions I wrote down, just fun things to ask and discuss before we wrap up the episode here. Um, here's a question about the Dodgers again, because it's about Mookie and a rumor that we kind of heard about Mookie. At least I saw it on Twitter. Not sure if he said it in an interview or if it's just a rumor. But there was some murmurs about he is open to playing second base next season. Mm-hmm. And, I, and and of course, that would happen if they got Judge. You would want, okay, let's put Judge and right Mookie at second. That could be a thought, at least on some days, if not you know most of the time. But here's just my, my, my thought that I had. If you switch Mookie from right field to second base, I mean, obviously, he's an elite defensive right fielder, and he's a very good hitter. But he's probably a top three right fielder. Yeah. Because you have Judge, you have Betts, you have Soto in that mix. There's other guys that are great. Harper, when he's uh, playing defense, is defensively in right field. he's the best right fielder. Right, but yeah. just in terms of saying who's the best right fielder, he's not definitely number one, yeah. right? He's like yeah. definitely in the top three-ish area. Mm-hmm. If you made him a full-time second baseman, I think he would be definitely the best second baseman in baseball, probably by a margin, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's kind of almost an interesting thought the Dodgers can have there. They can say, let's make Betts. Let's just have the best second baseman in baseball this year, right? We'll make maybe Lux our third, our shortstop, and then we'll make Judge our right fielder, or, or we'll go get some other big outfielder. Yeah, but, yeah. but what do you think about that? I'm just kind of brainstorming for myself. Would the Dodgers could they become a better team if they end up with Betts at second base because he probably becomes the best second baseman in baseball? I mean, offensively, uh, it, it would be it would be some stupid numbers offensively. I, I think that the 35 home runs, almost the 900 OPS, uh, OPS plus that's, you know, always hovering around, you know, 140 every year. That'd be pretty insane for second base. I, I don't know how many games he's played at second base in his career. I, I know I've seen him in, in some highlights at, with the Dodgers playing second base, uh, at, at times. So I'm mean, even looking right now, he's played, I think he did a bit this season in, in um, yes, limited, yeah. limited capacity. So it was seven games this season. He played at, or seven appearances. I don't know if he, he didn't play the full game, probably at second base, probably got moved there, but seven games at second base. And then the previous year before seven games as well, he's had 30 games at second base in his entire, uh, career, about 228 innings. I know he came in as a second baseman. So that's kind of like his, uh, you know, I don't think it was his first position, but he definitely has that uh, that trait. I I don't know. I mean, I I Feel definitely like- think he won't be as effective defensively as an outfielder as he is as a second baseman. I think that's just a completely different animal coming in from you have how much time to react in the outfield to now you have less than you know. Sometimes I mean, 
some in some instances when Shohei Otani hits a line drive to the second baseman, you have less than a second to think. You might just think I either got to body this up or I got to put my glove in. in especially in front of the now, you, especially now you can't shift out into the beat in the grass. Exactly, exactly. And, and so now you're basically um, you're you're looking at a second baseman that is is going to have to you know change up all of all of his reaction times i see his defense of course dropping which might make him a less valuable player that that's just my take on him moving to second base i don't think he can make the full 100 successful transition and be uh you know just an elite second baseman i think that there will be some growing pains learning that position being a primary second baseman so i i don't like the move to second base um if you're gonna get a guy like judge then that, that definitely could be an option. But now that you have, you know, let go of Cody Bellinger and Judge likes to play center field, now you basically can have Judge play center and have Mookie play right and have some prospects or you can have Lux stay at second base or, you know, whatever you want to do, put Muncie at second base. But um, it, I, I should say that, that it would not be surprising if the Dodgers can fix him into a second baseman or back into a second baseman just because I feel like they do a good job in you know they made they made chris taylor a great shortstop second baseman third baseman left fielder they yeah. made muncie a great first base third base second baseman so it would not be surprising but i just i don't know i i i got like mookie who is on the verge of, of course being first ballot hall of famer the biggest comparison for me is is roberto clemente he has just the assets that are just so much alike um i for me traditionally i i like him staying in right field i like him being um just that just that scrappy traditional right fielder that you know a guy like Clemente are, are such good comparisons both those guys so it, it it it's interesting that they would even like to make that you know entertain that idea but did you did you have any problem with with him moving there I mean he would be an insanely good offensive second baseman uh imagine if he was a second baseman his whole career Alex imagine that 2018 season he's a second baseman I mean right I mean, you're looking at the greatest second base season possibly of all time yeah I, I I do think that there is reasonable concern moving to second base it like you said it's so different from right field I still do think that he would get it done defensively I just think that he is too uh well-rounded he's, he's and he's Charles he's just so weirdly athletic and coordinated yes. we see constant highlights he can dunk a basketball he's he not he's not that tall he's bowled a 300 before I've seen him run a route he like shook some like college yeah. like safety he like totally just duke the guy he's a natural yeah. so he just plays sports at high levels just across the board so i would not be surprised if he could play i mean second base defensively even at his current age and kind of lack of playing it for probably several years but um i think it really it just comes down to what offseason they have if the dodgers sign two more outfielders and maybe they see it as the best way forwards um i think it's just kind of good to have a guy with that level of flexibility mm -hmm. you can have confidence that bets um has the talent to do second base or right field if needed even center field if needed um so i'm excited to see kind of how the dodgers address the rest of their offseason travis last question before we uh get ready to wrap up and cover our last couple things uh here's a fun question really simple a new pitcher is now in the big apple but who right now is the best pitcher in new york city we're talking mets and yankees the big three candidates of course verlander scherzer and cole who do you like best as pitcher number one in all of new york city oh, yeah, that's tough um i mean you you, you want to go cole uh, I, I, I would probably lean more with Garrett Cole, but I mean, last year was good and bad. It just, it, I think I just saw more of the bad starts with Garrett Cole last year and, and last year, you know, you, you, you saw 
Justin Verlander have such a great season and so many good starts. Now, of course, the postseason's different, but um, it's tough. I mean, I, I probably still will lean Cole, but it's... Do you think it's up in the air? It's definitely up in the air. It's it's tough. And it's come it comes back to that conversation we had a couple months ago where it was, you know, DeGrom is still that ace, the best pitcher in Major League Baseball right now if we had to make a draft. And who's number two? And I think I told you I I would have six pitchers or so that I could just throw out there and it'd be tough because it used to be DeGrom Cole. And now it's DeGrom and Question mark, yeah. Burns, Wheeler, Nola. You know, there's so many great guys out there. So it, it's 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 really close. I I think I'll lean Cole, but I I still it's it's tough out there. I I, I just don't. I, I I the last season was tough watching some of those starts and just how many home runs he gave up and how many hard hard hit balls he gave up. It just seemed uh, that that it was tough to, to to see that kind of stuff happen. So. Yeah, I think that makes sense. But I will, the K's are high. <laughs> the K's are very high, and he was a workhorse last year. Yeah. He was healthier than uh, Verlander or uh, Scherzer. I think he went over 200 innings, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he and then the strikeout numbers are, are crazy. You're right; he did get hit a bit harder than he, I'm sure he would have liked. The long ball was a bit of a problem. I could definitely see him bouncing back in that regard. But I would lean Cole as well. Scherzer makes a good case if he can stay healthy, and Verlander, um, of course, he needs to stay healthy too. Um, the age is a big is a big factor in yes, the equation, yeah. of course. Uh, Cole being so much younger. My, my favorite moment, I think, last year was Cole uh, opening day when they were doing like like an all time <laughs> ceremony and these like screaming like "Get the f off the field!" Like we got to start the game right now. We're two minutes behind schedule. It's, it's, it's probably like Yankee Hall of Famers. Like you know, I could just see like you know, I, I don't I know Yogi's not alive anymore, but it's like I could just see like, Yogi like in a wheelchair like waving to the fans at like ninety years old, and he's just like screaming at him like Cole, Cole's throwing bats in the get field. Off, get off the field! We got to start time, and I think he gave up like a Devers two run home run in his opening day start in the first inning. And you're like, Oh boy, like it's yeah. already coming here. And, and even looking at his numbers led the AL in home runs allowed, but also led MLB in strikeouts. So, I mean, it's kind of two just sides funny. of the same coin. It, They're kind of funny. It's, it's he's, he's throwing, he's throwing heat, but when guys make contact, it, it could be a bad, you know, uh, a bad recipe right there. And, and, and you, you know, I, I, he plays in a, in a ballpark that, you're going to give up a lot of just stupid home runs. I, I think I've seen so many sure. home runs where guys have just, it feels like a, a bunt could go out of the right field porch. But, but Travis, another good thing you're not factoring in is G-Man Choi is out of the division. That's true. He was Garrett Cole's daddy, and now Garrett Cole can rejoice. <laughs> that's true. That's 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 really good, yeah. But but Travis, let's, let's switch over to our last kind of main topic. Um, there was a Hall of Fame. Uh, I believe it's called the contemporary committee or something like something that what's it, it yeah. called yeah. It, it, it's anyways it's a it's a, a committee that's not the veterans committee it's something different um a lot of guys Which gets weirder and weirder every i mean it's it's funny yeah so it, it's guys who are current um like uh front office people like i know uh um is her name kim ang on the on the miami marlins yeah, uh, GM. <laughs> yeah front office Artie moreno owner of the, the angels it's like I don't know how they pick who's on this committee, but and then of course former players, guys like Frank Thomas, guys like Chipper Jones, Greg Maddox, names you all probably have heard of. Um, so just kind of a random assortment of you know officials and former and are, players. Are all the former players are they all Hall of Famers? I think they are, right? I think so, but I would have to double check. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, I think there but are it, a couple other ones there. Oh, it, I think it was like. Uh, was it was it Ryan Sandberg? It may have been, and yes. Like a couple other guys that were, yeah. And yeah. It, it's a sixteen man, sixteen person committee, yeah. committee 
12 votes needed to become a Hall of Famer. So different from the, the polling process mm-hmm. that, you know, is kind of going around right now. We'll be talking about that more in like January. Yep. But Travis, for this uh, committee that just inducted a new Hall of Famer, I'll let you kind of cover the rest. But uh, one guy did get in. I think we're both happy about it. Yeah, Fred McGriff, the ex Blue Jay, Padre, Brave, Dot, you know, he, All of the above. he was a journeyman his whole entire career, which, you know, you, you don't see with a guy of this, um, of these stats. I mean, with a guy that almost hit 500 home runs and he played for uh, six different ball clubs. And, and for a lot of them, it was, you know, it was three or more years, you know, so he, he made a home in a lot of different cities. But uh, what a great career I think Fred McGriff had. It's just so funny. I, I, I laugh about it because I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, having certain milestones. Now, of course, there are players that might hit a milestone and an important one. It's kind of like maybe you just played 25 years, but you just had average seasons every year. Maybe that milestone isn't doesn't mean as much, but he was seven home runs away from 500 home runs. And I, I truly truly believe if he if he would have came back or if he would have hit those seven he is a hall of famer in his first you know probably not his first season but probably in his first you know five definitely in his in, in the 10 seasons that he was on the ballot alex so i i definitely think that just hitting seven more home runs it's it's it's, it's close it's, enough it's close enough exactly so uh 493 home runs which is probably the best number of his you know so far of his career had some really good percentage numbers a good hitting line a 284 hitter with a 377 on base a 509 uh slugging and that goes for an 886 ops uh for you know a first baseman some people of course are looking at that as it needs to be better you know he he's a first baseman but he did play majority of his career during a um a pretty low point in the in the in the batting category uh of of you know the eras of baseball the late 80s early 90s not a lot of good uh you know ops hitters when you look at that that's why uh, some of the seasons that he had, he was, you know, some of the uh, some of the stats are either bolded or italicized on baseball reference because he led either the NL or, um, or you know, he led the NL, AL or MLB in that in those categories. But uh, it's definitely a great decision by this committee to put him in. He is going to be the uh, the first guy going in and he'll be the he'll be the one guy, of course, up there. in I think it's July when this ceremony happens in Cooperstown this next summer. Uh, and we'll see exactly if, if, if anyone can join him in uh, in Cooperstown this season. But uh, it's definitely deserving, Alex. I, I think we we made our cases when it was like his final year. And then also when, you know, he was off the ballot, it was just definitely kind of a shame because he, he put together a really good season. I think also you don't look too much at the postseason numbers, but he had some good postseason numbers as well. Uh, playing with, you know, those Atlanta teams in the you know middle stages of the 90s. Uh, it's it's funny how he he played with those teams. And then he finished his career kind of with the Devil Rays, who when they first started were nobody. Uh, you know they did not have anything to bring to the table. And then of course went to Chicago, went to the Dodgers, um, and then back to the Devil Rays to finish his career. Uh, I think it was, it was only twenty seven games, but it, it is it is rightfully so good for Fred McGriff, um, a guy that uh, you know I, like I said I think just definitely deserving. Uh, for for what he was able to do his whole entire career, uh, not not a name that most people really know about. So yeah, I think that he definitely fits into the hall quite nicely. I saw someone on Twitter say he's more of a hall of very good guy, and there's more. I, I hate that term personally. Yeah, people the crime say, dog. P- people say that like a hall of very good is like you know 
Hall of Fame should be for the elite of the yeah. elite. And if you're just really good but not great, you shouldn't be there. I, I, I hate that because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I compare him to many guys who are in the Hall of Fame, and I think he stacks up quite nicely. Orlando Cepeda was nominated, I believe, recently, right? Wasn't he a recent, like, Veterans Committee? I believe so, but, yeah. But we're talking about a 134 OPS+. Plus, and I'm comparing him to other first basemen here for this exercise. 134 OPS+, plus on the career for Fred McGriff. Um, and Cepeda is 133, so almost yeah, identical yeah. numbers there. He uh, Travis also reminds me a lot of uh, Freddie Freeman. Freeman, a bit better of a hitter, but I think uh, yeah. as Freeman ages, the career numbers could end up being a bit similar. Maybe less pop, more contact for yeah. Freeman, but still a similar kind of lefty bat that's going to be around the mid-130s OPS+. plus. Also very similar OPS plus numbers to a guy like, um, where was it here? Eddie Murray, actually a better OPS plus for Fred McGriff than Eddie Murray and actually better than Todd Helton, who we both will talk about in January, but I I know we'll both be voting for him for the hall of fame on our personal ballots. I'm pretty sure. Um, and I I don't know if we knew how many votes each guy got right for for this committee. I mean, I think you mentioned, did did you you find out there's, Oh, like, like, do, do you only get like three votes? Do you only get, you know, I don't know that. Yeah, I think yeah. you can vote for anyone. Okay. I'm pretty okay. sure. And I do know, I don't know if we mentioned this. McGriff uh, was unanimous. He was all 16 oh, wow. people wow, okay. vo- uh, voted for him and no one else got in. So he wow. had 16 of 16 votes. No one else had 12. Um, I believe the steroid guys being uh, Clemens and Bonds had less than four votes, which was personally pretty surprising to yeah. me. Um, I thought he, I thought they would do better on this than the writers poll, but it's looking yeah. like it might be the opposite. Definitely, you see that didn't. I mean, it's funny that and Schilling also did not make it, which was a bit surprising. Th- those guys like Bonds and Clemens did not have the respect, po- probably from their peers. I mean, you look at how many guys that that played with these, uh, you know, the the these these juggernauts of the game, and and maybe it just didn't. They just weren't, you know, fans of these kind of guys. So again, it, it goes back to the whole, you know. You got to judge on 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 each person's character, which I I, I could honestly care less. I mean, again, it, it kind of to me it comes down to what did you provide out there? What were your stats? You know, what what kind of player were you? That kind of thing. I mean, I think a lot of guys are 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 shunned out of the Hall of Fame because you know he wasn't he wasn't nice to me in the locker room after the after the post game. You know, he he was mean. He was mean in, in the post game press conferences or something like that. But uh, I think other guys like Don Mattingly and Dale Murphy got um were were of course i think they might have received 50 percent, or they, they might have received six to eight votes but not enough to get of course into the into yeah. uh into, into the hall yeah I, those are all guys who i'd love to see get some more respect yeah. um and consideration uh going forwards on these types of committees um but yeah travis i think that pretty much wraps up most of the episode one last cherry on top travis quick shout out uh rest in peace for <laughs> Gaylord Perry, Travis, he, Hall of Famer. he is somebody who um, has some pretty incredible numbers if you look at it. Someone that many people might not know that much about, but 90 career baseball reference war, a 314 wins on the career, two Cy Young awards. I mean, a lot of good things that um, you know people might not just know about. A career 3.11 ERA on Travis. Get this. The innings pitch numbers may shock you. Yeah, that's insane. I'm talking about 5,350 yeah. career innings pitched. You look at his prime. 
it's crazy. 255 innings next year, 293 next year, 290 next year, 325, 328, yeah. 280, 340. It's like over 300 year after year. This guy was an absolute yeah. maniac. And all these seasons, we're talking about really good ERA numbers. Um, one year he did lead in ERA plus. Um, and then, yeah, he led in games started, uh, you know, complete games multiple times. So I think he was one of the greats. Top, I think he was in our top five rotations for the giants i i think we had him in there alex i i i, I would not be surprised I mean, 300 300 wins is a stat like you mentioned we will probably won't see ever again or at least in our lifetimes i feel like because it's just it wins are not really uh, i mean talk about five thousand innings i know no I know, one is yeah. ever getting yeah. there again yeah. Jarvis, i'm i'm just for curiosity's sake i'm gonna look up justin verlander if you had to guess oh. <laughs> how many how many career innings do you think verlander has and it's, he it's, verlander is like the workhorse of our generation yeah, it's, right it's probably like 23 2400 <laughs> it's it's not it, even three thousand. It, it, it is actually just over three thousand. Oh, God, but but okay, but, right, but, right. but it's crazy yeah. how he's Travis Verlander is like forty. Yeah, and Gaylord Perry is a guy who over his full career was almost closer to triple. Sorry, closer to doubling Verlander's career innings pitch yeah. numbers. Thirty five hundred strikeouts. And I, I'll be honest, I don't know everything about this guy. I'm not I'm not a Gaylord <laughs> I'm not a Gaylord Perry historian, but what I did read on Twitter was that he was one of the last spitballers, successful spitballers in MLB before they probably started outlawing that yeah. and banning that. But um yeah, he did pitch from 1962 all the way to 1983. So definitely sort of a pitcher's era in his prime and he was a workhorse. He had that spitball working like no other, but um, yeah, shout outs to him. Definitely, yeah, you look, it's funny when you look at just kind of these old timers, these guys that just, I mean, how many innings pitch they were able to throw, just some of their accomplishments. Like I said, 314 wins. I mean, that's just unbelievable. With an ERA at a 3.11, I mean, talk about that innings pitched with that ERA, uh, e efficiency while pitching. So, uh, I mean, guy that guy you probably won't see you know come around soon anytime you know guys that will put up similar numbers like this it's i mean 41 games started in one season you're not going to see that anymore um you won't you, you will never see that again yeah, i can you, assure you you, that you will never see that again uh and then also transitioning alex just kind of in some uh not not of course on the sad side but uh it was announced earlier this week uh final season for miguel cabrera he is uh, yes. going to be i think he's ending his contract early i think he's kind of just calling it quits I, he might have two more years left i think he just wants to go out on a note where he knows he's still kind of contributing yeah. and doesn't want to feel like he's holding a team back exactly. but i and think he was one of the better hitters in the team last year yeah which i mean <laughs> some somehow which which i think in the think first month alex he was batting like 317 or something it, like it's that. more sad about the rest of his teammates yeah. than it is about for him yeah so miguel cabrera um he was an all-star last year though he he was an all-star i guarantee i honestly think he'll be an all-star this year just for yeah, but the getting what, him in what, what do you, the commissioner gets a pick right i, I believe so because i think he will i'm sure the commissioner will pick him he, yeah. he'll pick him he'll and this is what's kind of funny because i mean i don't think pools really had the retirement tour that people thought he should have but i guarantee miggy will have a really good retirement tour because of course he'll be playing all 30 teams this year he'll have the opportunity he i gotta look at the schedule he might be going back to florida that'd be really cool to have him get some sort of cool ceremony at uh at miami's ballpark but um it is his last season miguel cabrera he's obviously a hall of famer uh the numbers are all there doesn't really have too much left on the milestone watch i mean he's over three thousand hits he's over 600 doubles he's over 500 uh home runs i mean unless he wants to put together 150 rbis he uh he's he's going to be shy of 2000 rbis which of course is another 
insane list to look at. I think I think I was looking at like if you look at like three thousand hits, two thousand RBIs, and five hundred home runs, it's like Hank Aaron and Pujols. Wow. May, maybe maybe Alex Rodriguez. I, I I have to double check on that, but it's not a big list. But it's funny that still Alex, twenty years in the business, still holding a three oh eight batting average. I mean the guy is still putting up that kind of batting average. And we know the last, you know, three to four seasons have not been anything good for his batting average. They've been taking it down, but um, he'll finish with a, a 300. Uh, what know, if he chokes that? I don't think he will. I think what, I, what if he just has the ultimate meltdown? I, I, it'd be hard to, it'd be hard to drop it, eight it, points. And, it won't, you know, it won't it, happen. It, it won't happen. I think if he did the math, he'd have to go like, I, I wonder if he went like, Oh, for like, maybe like 200, but you know, that won't happen. But I, I don't even know how much, how many reps he'll get this year. I think he's just going to be a lot, just a good mentor on the bench, but he will finish with a, uh, you know, a, a 300, uh, a higher than 300 batting average. And then a, uh, a, uh, you know, a nine, probably like a nine Oh five OPS, but an OPS higher than 900 and then OPS plus probably around like 140. But, uh, it is his last season. He is a most likely a first ballot hall of famer. I mean, definitely. I think first ballot hall of famer, uh, and he'll probably be getting in the year after Pujols gets in. So, uh, both those guys kind of going in very similar time that wraps it up, Alex. I mean, the last thing I was going to say is, uh, some quick news on team USA. Um, some, some recent additions, uh, you know, Nestor Cortez, Adam Wainwright, Logan Webb, Brady Singer, Kyle Freeland, um, and Ryan Presley are in on team USA. So, uh, some guys make the team better. Some guys, I, I think we'd agree, don't 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 fit, but just don't make the team better. I think it's more of just getting these veteran names in there, like uh, like an Adam Wainwright. Uh, I think Nestor could be used for some very interesting situations. Logan Webb is very effective. Brady Singer is very effective. Kyle Freeland, um, he's had good and bad seasons, I feel like. And then, of course, you know Ryan Presley is a great reliever that would you know compare with any other reliever in the world. So. Uh, final thoughts, anything on that? No, um, I, I think that those are all guys who are kind of, th th that's like the lane I kind of expected the USA to be drawing from. I think you and I both knew from very early on, we were probably not going to see Cole, DeGrom, Burns, Scherzer. These are all guys who are kind of playing for contracts. They yeah. really know that at their current stage of their career, they want to win titles. They want to win awards. They want to pitch full seasons, not get hurt. I think the guys who are going to be at the World Baseball Classic for pitchers are going to be guys who either I got like Wainwright, who it's kind of more about, hey, like this is going to be a fun thing as I kind of yeah. uh, end my career. It um, should be his last season, right? Am I right? We will never know. <laughs> <laughs> he may just say, we'll run it back, but no. the Cardinals will give him some crazy deal. But uh, yeah, and then a guy like Cortez uh, and Singer, I expect them to be effective. Webb, I think, could definitely be the ace out of that rotation, depending on if who else gets added. Um, and then Freeland is more depth. I think that all kind of makes sense. These are guys who are not the ace types that um, they're not the best that USA as a country necessarily has to offer in the MLB. But in terms of Team USA, these are the guys I kind of expected and guys who can probably make some sort of contribution. You know, we'll see if anyone else gets added to the staff. I'm sure we'll see some more news in the coming weeks. But And, and um, the hype is so cool right now because we're watching the FIFA World Cup with soccer and we're going to so get fun. the same thing with baseball, which, you know, it's going to be so fun to see the Dominican Republic's team. Uh, and also this past week, Shohei Otani will be playing for Team Japan. I mean, that's going to be so much fun just seeing uh, so many Japanese players that we probably don't know at all, 
but Japanese, of course, uh, you know, the, the, the country of Japan knows them, but then you're going to see Shoya Otani leading that team. Uh, the, Japan's team always makes it to the semifinals or the finals every single World Baseball Classic. So it's going to be fun to see what kind of talent they have and if Shohei can, uh, you know, really provide some insane starting pitching and, uh, you know, batting moments. We might see Shohei Mike Trout face off. That right there That'd is a moment in history that, uh, you really can't ask for, you know, any better, but you're going to, you know, you could see Shohei square off pitching wise. And I mean, imagine just a guy like that. Imagine he shuts down the Dominican Republic. I mean, imagine, you know, he just goes full six innings on the mound. Uh, that'd be pretty awesome to see. So be a lot of fun cheering for a lot of different teams in that and, and seeing those matchups. But, uh, one thing I do know is that the angels, I think do get a crack at team USA sometime in March. Yes. That was scheduled. So, uh, I think it's time to throw, uh, I think it's time to throw Suarez, right? <laughs> yeah, l l let's just let's just see which. Uh, Will Trout be playing for the Angels or Team USA? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure for Team USA. I think that the Angels, whoever pitcher they want to make look bad, will have a great chance to get that outing. But but yeah, you mentioned Otani for Japan. I have actually an insider, uh, my former college roommate. Uh, shout out Koshi. He is from Japan. He says that there's lots of national pride with the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. Really don't think it's I don't think it's the same way for USA, right? We really are so focused on the MLB season yeah. that we never really put that much effort and thought into saying, oh, we have to win this World Baseball Classic. But mm -hmm. for Japan, apparently it is a very big deal, very big honor. So Shohei is taking it probably pretty seriously. It should be so much fun to watch him on the national and the international state international stage like that of course the dominican republic is a team i think is going to be so fearsome pitching uh Travis, their bench looks scary it's like Cattell yeah. Marte and oh, all yeah. these guys it's, yeah. it's just like tons of names it, it'll be funny how the pools play up i i don't yes. know i i think i'm i think the united states is in a pool with canada mexico and then i believe maybe is it is israel or italy it may be uh, i forget it, it's, it, i, I it, just know I, I just love seeing some of the funny like assignments like yeah. i know fletcher and his brother dominic who's in the dynamics and they're both playing for italy yeah i know tommy <laughs> edmund is with korea which i just yeah. i guess i didn't know he was mother or father must be yeah i didn't know he was korean but i guess i can kind of see it freeman uh, could play for uh canada uh, I think I, his dad is like Canadian or something like that. And I think then, someone said that Vlad should play for Canada. It's like that's stupid. His dad's Dominican. Get out of here. Yeah, he could. Yeah, he might have been born in Montreal, but I don't care. He could. Um, but but it, he, it, it'll be fun to see how these teams uh, I'm coordinated. A, I'm excited for it. Yeah, spring can't come soon enough. But Travis, the winter meetings are going to be so exciting. Um, the next and, couple and of days. Any breaking news, Alex? I know we didn't we didn't really talk about. I've it. been checking Twitter throughout this episode, Travis. Bomb, no. I've been I've been sneaking trying to look a at night, stuff. A Nightingale nuke. Haven't haven't found anything quite yet. Um, wait, no, just kidding. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're gonna have to wrap it up without any breaking stuff. But Charles, there's gonna be tons of news the next couple of days for sure. The mm -hmm. winter meetings will roar on. I feel like someone was saying Judge might sign this week. I could see it, but they said something about Wednesday. I, I heard someone say Wednesday. I don't know why. I, I know Wednesday's when the meetings end. Okay. So I think you know by Wednesday would, would kind of make sense for a lot of these these you know agents to try to you know get their deals done. But Travis. Next episode, we will have to cover lots of ground on some of these, you know, exciting settings that will be happening in the coming days. Um, maybe we can also address some of the guys who are still free agents after the meetings and say, you know, what's the holdup? Why are some of these guys, you know, what kind of deals are they looking for? Are they looking for a contender? Are they trying to break some sort of salary record? But we will answer those questions next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, we always appreciate the support. A bit over two hours here. We appreciate you guys if you made it to the end. 
You guys are the absolute best. Click that subscribe button. Yeah. Please do. Give us a like, huh? Give us a comment. Hit us up in the DMs, right, Travis? We, we encourage the baseball conversations with the listeners. If your name is Aiden Hall, don't comment. Uh, it's it's usually not towards baseball. Uh, that's a know, fair that's a fair point, but we baseball can, knowledge, but you know that's a fair point. But leave at, a comment. At yeah. the end of the day, Travis. At the end of the day, interactions are interactions. I will take it. I think Instagram will bump up our stuff if he slides up uh, on the story. Mm-hmm. So either way, if you made it this far, we appreciate you so much, and we will talk to you guys very soon. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>